we'll do it live. Hey, welcome to Saturday Night Special. The most, uh, yep, the most, the most, the most show on the, the internet. Most, the most with the most, it's the most prepared show on the internet. Nobody waits till after we've started to start putting their shit in. We've got a pretty cool show for you. We're still building it as we're talking. So, um, <laughs> like, so like Minecraft. We might not have a really good show, but we're still building as we go. But, you know, we've got Cliff Chain coming. We've got the best and worst covers. We've got the WTF story of the week. We've got movie wars, cartoon wars. We've got so much. So strap in as you get. Nope, wrong, wrong podcast. Cue that music. <laughs> Warning. The following video contains material that some viewers may find harmful or could be traumatizing to some audiences and doesn't reflect the opinion of Renovision. Viewer discretion advised. <laughs> uh, the layers of that intro it's like traveling back in time <laughs> so how's everybody doing on this lovely saturday night oh man doing so good just got back from couldn't be better just got back from like a three-hour hike with my kids Tony. good evening ed Mr. TK himself in the house. What's up, TK? So, I'm pretty excited. We're, we're going to be doing our redeeming, our redeeming <laughs> interview tonight. So I hope everybody's here. There will never be a new year for Kyle's curtains. You know, I show these my wife these comments because she, for some reason, she loves these curtains. She picked them out. She loves them. She's like, fuck them. <laughs> She's like, the fuck is going on? Um, but yeah, so anything interesting happened to anybody? Not this week. Damn. Well, I had I had a guy. So I, I'm a lawyer, you guys know that. And some of some of my jobs litigation where there's deadlines and and the parties can kind of agree to extend deadlines. I had a guy who asked me to extend deadlines for a, a couple of different motions up till yesterday, right? And I was fine with that because I had a motion that was pending and I wanted to extend the, the deadline to respond for that. And, and so I agreed to that. And so I submitted my response yesterday like we were supposed to, and he didn't. And so he starts emailing me at like five o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, Hey, can I make my problem your problem? <laughs> it's like, why, no, does sir. Why, why does everybody want to make their problem my problem? Why is that the case? I just ignored him. I said, you know what? You got you got seven hours to figure this out before it's actually not the deadline. I'm gonna let you figure <laughs> this out. And and just so everybody knows, as people are coming into the chat here, we did it. 
a really cool interview on thresholds of reality. If you guys aren't liked and subscribed to that yet, mm. it was a really cool interview with a, uh, he's always, oh, he calls himself the guide to the afterlife. Now the thresholds of reality is such an interesting change of pace. You guys, you know, we, we cover a lot of pop culture on Saturday night special on Renovision on absolute geek, cover a lot of pop culture topics. This is something that's outside of pop culture. Like this is the edges of, of normal or paranormal. It's kind of an, an, an interesting mix of unknown. And, and we have been looking for people with near-death experiences. And that's kind of where we're, we're digging in or diving in right now. And Scott Taylor came on our show and he, he runs a group called what was it called, Kyle? The Awareness Institute, or yeah. And he's figured out a way to give you a near-death experience without the death part. What? <laughs> I would hope so. Well, you know, wow. I mean, that was the, that was like the first series of questions we asked him. Like, is there a risk? Is this dangerous? And he's like, No, no, no. We don't use. We're not like drowning anybody or trying to hurt anybody. We just use sound. It's all sound-based. And we use vibrations and it puts you in into a certain state of mind where you can actually experience what people experience during near-death experiences. Um, and so fascinating. And he had a very, a very powerful story that he told about his own, what he called a shared death experience um, where his girlfriend. What he by vibrations is DMT. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't think that's far off. I don't think that's far like off. Like bi binaural sound waves. Yeah, it was like it changing the frequency within your consciousness to like it, it was it, it was a so what I did is after I after the episode, like I went to my mom and stuff and I was like, all right. And he was talking about like this trigger point. So like, you know, the transition from life to death, you know, you go through the, you know, the white light and you go to the, you know, to your divine where the, you go over your whole life. And he was talking about what you do is you make a trigger point. So that so that the living can their consciousness can catch up with you and be part of that. So I went to my mom and dad and everyone. I was like, "All right, find your trigger point. Let's all find our trigger point so that we might actually be able to get to use that. Actually, do what a lot of people don't get to do, and you don't really get to have that last goodbye." So, and my mom's like, "What happens if it doesn't work?" And I was like, "No harm, no foul." Yeah, <laughs> all you did was. All you did was we just agreed upon a, a, you know, a memory. So it's not crazy, but. Yeah, it happens. What happens, happens. They used to have audio CDs that were um, compared to several different drugs. Like they had one that was cocaine, one that was marijuana. I just sent you a link in the Facebook, but um, binaural, binaural beats. They were basically sound waves that were triggered that were supposed to give you the same feeling that each drug gave you. Yeah. Back 2017. Yeah, the article I sent was 2017, but and, I tried it and it didn't really do it. Yeah, if you're not too far off what he was saying, because like during his story, his first experience of his consciousness, consciousness leaving and meeting with his friend and her son was he was actually concentrating to the heartbeat monitor as it was slowly slowing down, you know, as he was passing away. 
And that's actually what he was concentrating on. And that kind of cleared his mind. So his conscience, it was just, it was just a real interesting conversation to have. So it's, it's worth checking out if you want. We'll put the link in the chat, link to the episode in the chat. So, but I mean, we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Um, so let's, Anything I heard that there may or may not be someone on the Renovision channel that likes to try to achieve that by sticking a metal rod in his wiener and smacking it off against metal poles. <laughs> Who does that? Sounds fun. I'm not. I'm not gonna name names. Not here to name names. How come my stuff doesn't show up in the chat? I put the link in the chat and it's not showing up. Because you're not. Uh, you're not a manager. You're blocked. <laughs> I think I'm blocked. So, talking all that shit. It was just uh it was just an interesting interview. It's worth checking out. It, it was you know, it was you know <laughs> why not just smoke a bowl, just saying. Right. You know, and that's what he was kind of saying is whatever it takes for you to get to that point is kind of what he was getting at, right, Sam? Um, well, he had he, no, I don't think that's what he was saying at all. I think he was saying that there are specific things that you you should do or that you have to do in order to trigger these particular events, and that once you know how to do it, it is simple, but it takes knowing the tricks. Um, and he's basically trying to hack the mind using sound and vibration. Tricks, isn't that what DMT does? Though, is that it? Gives you that rush and has you makes you have hallucinations like you would before you die because that's what your body uh, produces, correct? Your body, yeah. DMT, I think, is what what you're referring to, right? Yeah, and that's why we've got some Norn toads here. <laughs> I got a batch of toads coming into lick. Anyway, it was a fascinating episode, one of my favorite interviews so far, and I I don't always say that like. We have been kind of stuck in in psychic land for a while, and a lot, and you know, those are kind of hit and miss, I think. But this was an excellent interview. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure yeah. Peter Griffin, uh, or should I say, Lando Griffin, warned us against what licking toad will do to you. So <laughs> don't do the toads. Don't do the toads. So, what time is Cliff Chang supposed to show up tonight, Sammy Sam? Uh, he'll be on at about. Uh, 6 p.m. our time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So about 45 minutes? Yep. All right, well, let's Ooh. get the news started. So hopefully by then it'll be time for our awesome interview. Yeah, let's get into it. We'll, we'll have the, pulp, the GIMP from Pulp Fiction on. <laughs> Our first news story kicking off this brand new year for SNS. Big news in comic world is Greg Capullo, known for doing the art on Scott Snyder's Batman comics at DC, is jumping ship to Marvel. The news comes from Mark Millar and the creators behind the likes of Kick-Ass, who interviewed Capullo on his YouTube channel and wrote about it in his email newsletter. Millar said, My friend Greg Capullo announced this week that he is leaving DC for Marvel in this huge news. I was lucky enough to be the first person to talk to him about it on YouTube. Uh, yesterday and you get all the details here the details include that greg capullo will first start with marvel drawing covers as capullo is still busy with his creator-owned project creech 
And then once Creech is done, Capullo will do a six issue or three six issue projects. Yeah. So in the article, they're talking Come on, Spider-Man. Come on, Spider-Man. He, he says that's one that he would like to do. But he was like, I'm 60. I'm, I'm getting too old to do like, you know, these long drawn out runs and stuff. And he wants to, you know. Be able oh, to shit. that dude is still jacked, man. Six or not, he's still jacked. Right? I'm too you're too old for nothing, sir. <laughs> but that that creature's doing it's like 110 pages or something. It's a lot of art in it. If you've looked at a lot of the examples, so but that's yeah, he does, you did it he does all the art in that, right? He does interior and cover. He what? He does interior and cover for creature, right? Yes. And yeah, he usually does yeah. it for Batman, and, and he's a cool a dude, man. Great. He's such a nice guy. Like, like he, he looks really like he'd be a dick, dude, but he's actually a really nice guy. I thought that was Diamond Dallas Page. That looks so, nothing but... like Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page. I, say I knew what Diamond Dallas Page looks like. He's gonna look like Diamond Dallas Page. But yeah, it's, I mean. It, I think how cool would it be? Like, I love how he draws. So, you know, he is one of my favorite artists. So, like, and I love the way he draws Bat Batman. And, like, I agree with Matt. Imagine him drawing Spider Man or Venom. That'd be sick, too. Dude, it would just be like, it would be fire, whatever he does. But he's got it. But I don't want him to be teamed up with a crappy writer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want him to team up with fucking a crappy writer because his art's so good, it it needs to have a good story with it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like when him and Scott were doing, you know, Batman New 52, I mean, it kind of trailed off towards the end. But um, the, the story was fire, and then it just had this great art to go with it, which made you run to the comic book store to pick up the next issue. Right. He's always paired with he's he's always been paired well with good writers though. Like he's had Snyder for a long time. He's been with Millar. He's been with um, McFarlane. So I mean, he's always had well, decent writers to go that's with. That's what I'm I hope they they keep that, and he doesn't get a shitty writer at Marvel. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see him paired with like the likes of like Ram V or Zeb Wells or any long along anyone along those lines. Yeah. Or even Bendis, if he comes back to Marvel, and as long as it's not, you know, a lot of the other guys Marvel has, unfortunately. So I mean, I, I'm so like damn slot. Do. Oh god, I'd be pissed. God fuck, I gotta read damn slot again. Right. Because you know whatever he's gonna draw, you're, you're good. Especially at Marvel, everybody's gonna be picking that up. Right. So that's you're you're right, Ed. You're hundred percent right. I'm sure he, he can do that. Yeah, um, that's yeah. actually a good point, you know, but I'm just you know, fingers crossed. Now the question <laughs> is gonna be though, if he's gonna be doing variant covers, so every Marvel book that comes out with like 70 variant covers is Capullo because usually the Capullo variants on DC most times are you know, you can get them as a B cover or you know, low one and 
one in tens, but I just wonder if he's going to start being like one in fifties, one in one hundreds, one twenty five. I bet you what you'll see is he'll do, um, he'll do the, he'll have the, like the A cover. And then I bet you there'll be like a virgin, like one in 50 or something. Like for he him. does for DC right now. Yeah. I bet you it'll be something like that. So, but yeah, let's come on, Spider Man. Right, fingers. Jr. Jr. Off that shit. He's kind of doing Spider Man right there in the photo, you know. Fuck yeah, I'm going to Marvel. Marvel. So it'll be cool. It looks like he's passing a kidney stone in that picture a little bit, but or he had bad Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or he just got done being a shop teacher. Oh, ooh, that joke. Joke. There you go. All right, yeah, Wolverine dude, that would be badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much anything he's gonna do is it, it's it's gonna be I'm just, it's gonna be fire. He's not one of those artists I'm, like that lets you down. So I'm sure he, he he built up a contract where he gets Avengers and Spider Man and you know things like that that he wants to do. That the Marvel staple, you know, dude, that'd be badass. Yeah, maybe he'll when Hulk reboots, he'll do Hulk. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him paired with Donny Cates. That wouldn't be terrible, even though Donny Cates seems like he's gone off the deep end a little bit. Well, I mean, when we talk about Ryan Otley, there's a odd, there's a a, a Donny Cates little thing in there too so when we get to that we can talk about that but moving on yeah excited for capullo and marvel man i think he's gonna do great things and like i said please please spider-man please 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 yeah to the comic gods yeah uh we will that shit <laughs> In other news, the evolution of the Joker just took a surprise turn in his latest ongoing series. His comic, The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, features the Batman villain leaving a, a swath of destruction in Gotham City. But the latest issue that came out this week also contained a backup story that is garnering a lot of attention on social media. The short tale pairs Joker with the magician Zatanna, and instead of being a graphic violent encounter, Zatanna casts a spell leaving the Joker pregnant. The two on the verge of starting a complicated new family. The backup story, The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, number four, is by Matthew Rosenberg, Francisco Francavilla, and Tom Napolitano. It finds the Joker and his gang attempting to steal all of the water from the Gotham River. Luckily, Zatanna shows up and stops the Clown Prince of Crime in his tracks. Strung upside down, Zatanna drops the Joker into a pile of mud. On the ground, after the Joker uh, comments on how they'd make a lovely family, Satana casts a backward spell that states, "No one will ever have your baby. So, no one else. No one else. Oh, will no one else will ever have your baby. I didn't see the else. So, so will the new thing be in the Batmobile lost a wheel and the Joker had a kid? <laughs> so, a lot of people have brought this to attention, but if you actually like read the issue. It, it's a mud baby. It's not a real spell. When he hits the mud, he swallows a bunch of mud. 
And then later on, he pukes it up, and it's like fucking. It's a giant pile of mud. Dude, I had a mud. Dude, I I had a mud baby today, dude. It was after eating Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's. Well, right. that's that. It just kind of got blown out of proportion. Yeah, it it got run away with big time, and people neglected to. You know, I don't know if it was a case of not actually reading the issue or just sharing this panel or making it a better story if you don't share share everything, but the joke is just like a, I knew you could get pregnant. He throws up like a giant mud baby because he actually goes to like he goes to an OBGYN doctor and it's Dr. Phosphorus and Dr. Phosphorus it literally it shows on the panel of him with his feet up in stirrups and Dr. Phosphorus is looking at him and he's like, well, I don't know where this baby is but or where it's going to come out, but go ahead and start pushing. So DC (laughs) kind of crosses where they're usually very woke. You almost get that that feeling that where they hit you with the men can't have babies in this issue because he's like, well, I don't know where that baby's going to come out, but go ahead and start pushing. And then Joker like stops and then throws up and it's just a bunch of mud that he throws up. It's like a giant mud baby. (laughs) <laughs> so, well, I mean, so the, t- the title of the story is I mean, "What the fuck." <laughs> yeah. Well, he, the story is kind of ironic, right? But though, right? What's that? It technically, would have came out of his butt eventually, because he threw it up. Yeah, it would have been a butt baby, I guess. So. <laughs> did it move? <laughs> did, like when it came out, or did they name it? What? No, he didn't. He didn't name it. Just a pile of mud face. on the ground, man. Clayface Junior. It does. Well, it does kind of look like Clayface when he throws it up. But what happens when you have a baby early? When so, you have a what? When you have a baby early, you throw oh. it up. I thought he meant I had a wedlock. <laughs> <laughs> when the baby comes out, it's already like it's already like a preteen size. Yeah. It's walking. No yeah. Two. So, you know, it's going to hit its rebellious face pretty early and then it'll be joining like a, a corporate, the corporate rat race to spite his father. Imagine oh, yeah. he becomes like a, uh, like a, a mid, a mid-level manager. Yeah. <laughs> See, there he is. There's the panel of him pregnant and there's Dr. Phosphorus with his head between his legs. Damn, his face is all up in there. Yeah. He's seen some shit. The Raiders look like a bunch of winners. With Stidham. With Stidham killing it. So yeah, there he is barfing up the the mud baby. He's like, is that mud? And the doctor's like, I guess you weren't pregnant after all. Almost looks like the Toxic Avenger and you you got thrown in there. PGD. And they and they they didn't like be animated, right? The the, the mud it just it was a pile of mud, right? Well, I mean, he kind of it, he's, it looks like he's got an eye and a tooth I right mean, there, and he's like crying. I'm gonna name my next uh, really... mud baby the Joker. And then he says, "I'd really love it if one of you would kill that thing, especially you, the skeleton. You're kind of the weak one, like a wink link today." So, so why were they all like... in the room with him? For like moral support, I guess, yeah. And the thing that runs away. 
<laughs> is this like is it supposed to be like years ago or like now? It's I I don't know. But oh look, he does that like deform deforms, yeah. Grows pretty fast. Look at that cut chin. It is kind of like a baby clay face, in huh? But seems like they were trying to piss somebody off. <laughs> this is interesting. I guess that's an interesting. It's funny. That's what. Yeah. Thank God that they, you know. Covered it with the barrel of a gun. But she was fucking like a baby holding an apple. Actually, not a gun. It's a flamethrower. Like how the gorilla's got a chainsaw, too. But. Nice. Well, there it is. Wow. The Don't believe everything you read on the internet, kids. First appearance What's of the pregnant joker. Yeah. <laughs> What's next, Redeason? Joker. Uh, Jeff Johns is adopting his creator-owned Geiger book for television. The comic book series was launched last year by Image Comics with artist Gary Frank and marked John's first creator-owned project from John's in over a decade. Deadline reports that the comic book series will be adapted for TV by Justin Simmon alongside John's from Paramount Television Studios with John's writing the plot uh, who will... Ex- Executive produce alongside, or sorry, pilot, who will executive produce alongside James. I'm not going to even try and pronounce that name. Uh, for John's Mad Ghost Productions Company and Frank and Gary Frank, the project is also executive produced by Kyle Larson and Samens. What? 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 I I mean, Geiger started out real good. I remember I was kind of excited to read it, and it just kind of I just kind of trailed off on it. I like Joe Doolin's icons from Paperboy, I think. <laughs> I I never got past the first issue. I know like Marco made a big deal about how good the first issue was, and I think you were talking about it, Kyle, and it just it's a book that never caught on for me. I, I read the first few issues and it just yeah, I just kind of I it's one of those ones where they it it started out good, but just it just it's one of the ones that I just easily forgot about as, you know, there's so much other comic stuff going on. So do you still give it a chance? If you start with the book and then they adapt it. You know, can't hear you, Hartman. He likes it. Hope they do it right. Do you give it a chance even if you didn't like the book? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd watch this series and give it a oh, shot. Yeah, so, I mean, it kind of had a cool concept. I mean, I had cool covers about- to it. I know that. I haven't read it. Got a radioactive man, right? Yeah. Like Geiger counter, right? Mm-hmm. Like a Fitbit. Yeah, like yeah. a Fitbit. I don't know if it's my internet or his, but he keeps cutting out really bad. Armin's in a tunnel right now. Sorry, I'm, I'm not facing. Is this better? Yes. yes. Yeah. I was looking away. Well, don't do that. <laughs> Joe says, like Geiger, another indie series crowding my short boxes. <laughs> oh, boo. That's a bummer. All right, moving on. Sell, 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 then. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is Count Dracula in the first trailer for Universal Horror Comedy Film Reinfeld. Renfield. Or Renfield. Renfield. The trilogy begins with Renfield, X Men First Class Nicholas Holt, 
storming into a support group led by ghost ghost Brandon Scott Jones, exclaiming, I need to get out of a toxic relationship. Renfield explains <laughs> that the relationship is with his boss, Count Dracula, played by scene stealer Nicolas Cage. God, this is already going to be amazing with Nick Cage being Dracula. Right? Uh, what we yes. do in the shadows related film first. Yeah. I mean, Sounds like that. The footage yeah. reveals Renfield has been gifted with the power by powers by Dracula in exchange for providing the iconic vampire with constant care and vitamins like incident nuns and cheerleaders to feast upon. The support group tells Renfield that he has <clears throat> stopped serving Dracula's needs and won't be able to grow to full power. The trailer ends with the compelling sh- shot of Cage's Dracula looking directly into the camera and stating, now let's eat. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't even have to see what it's about. I was like, Nick Cage, Dracula, sold. Just the vibe, the the colors in the trailer alone. Like, I'm like, this looks like it's gonna be fucking good. Yeah. Nicholas Cage has been been practicing for this role for his entire life. I, I think so. I still haven't <laughs> seen that movie where he plays himself. Oh, um, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah. Yes. Is that any good? Has anybody actually seen that? It's not it's, bad. It's pretty funny. What's it on? Uh, it's on a lot of different platforms. I'll have to look it up tonight and watch it. Um, on patrol. I have to say that seeing Nicolas Cage in vampire makeup reminds me a lot of a younger John Travolta. And <laughs> you know, you know what they say. <laughs> If, if, you, if you don't die, Nicolas Cage, you live long enough to become John Travolta. <laughs> I'm just happy to see him in actually movies that I want to see. Like when Matt Stickman and those movies are coming out, when like 10 years ago, I don't know. I, I didn't really have interest, but these new movies I'm seeing him in. And Constellation Prize. And I do want to remind anybody who is married that. It's important that you and your wife establish Lots the secret tell. The secret tell in case one of you ends up in a face-off situation where <laughs> Nicholas Cage or John Travolta ends up with your face. That we was have a safe word. Yeah. yeah, you gotta have a safe word or, or a secret tell, something. It's Take pineapple the time. in the butt. Well, now you gotta come up with a new one because now everyone knows that, it. That's only for Hitler. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, this looks good. I mean, I'm surprised that it was going to be a comedy. Looking forward to it. I'm, I don't know. I think it's going to be fair and fucking tastic. I don't know about you guys. As long as they let him go full cage, oh, I'm dude. down for it. I wonder how much he'll be in it, though. Like, honestly. 18 seconds. I don't think that's he's gonna be in, he's gonna be in like seven to ten minutes of pure flashback where he like lays on the ground and there's like guns. Oh wait, no, it's Jared Leto's Joker. Um <laughs> but more um, Glad to see Nicolas Cage is finally getting back into serious roles and not having to. Maybe he's finally got his tax bills paid off, where he doesn't have to constantly just take whatever movies that's thrown at him now. So, I, I mean, 
Yeah, he didn't ever yeah, move to another island like Wesley Snipes, so he's doing pretty good. Dude, he's he's not he just goes to show you, kids, pay your taxes, right? He should he's not never playing pilot in, a, in a rapture movie. Apparently, if you watch the National Treasure show on Disney Plus, there's a tease that they're working on National Treasure Three. Good. There's. I want to see all the way to National Treasure Eleven, where there's a treasure on the moon, and that's what they have to get to. Ooh, Hollow yeah, Moon theory. Did, did mm-hmm. you guys see the Weatherman? I yes. have yes. Oh, thanks for okay. I'm glad that went somewhere. That was that was the full thing. Was just that question. I'm glad that went somewhere, Hartman. I mean, it's not he like hasn't either. <laughs> I was asking if anybody saw it. Have you guys? Have you guys heard that uh, that song? When you play it backward, it says "Paul's dead." That was a hoax, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. But Marvel's Marvel cancels Hulk comics after 14 issues. Donny Cates has withdrawn from his major Marvel comics projects of late with Al Ewing and then Torin Gronkberg stepping up to write Thor and Ryan Otley taking over the writing of Hulk as well as drawing the book. But Ryan has also talked about how he doesn't want to work on long runs anymore. His previous stated, after Hulk, I'll be going back to creator-owned at Image Comics for a while, maybe Marvel again someday. But next up for me is an independent book where I share ownership with a writer, 50% pay, and a project I'm absolutely excited to do. It's a win-win-win. I can't pass it up. But don't expect too long a run, whatever it is. Yeah, to be honest, I doubt I'll ever draw a long run more than 20 issues anymore. I did an extremely long run on Invincible. That was something very rare these days. I did my time, so now I want to do more short, shorter type runs, like twenty issues on ASM, thirteen issues on Hulk, etc. So that goes back to what I was saying before was uh, when you were saying hopefully he'll because of Donnie Cates. Donnie Cates is going back to doing his own shit. Well, so. Donnie Cates has kind of went off the deep end too, and had a lot of controversies and a lot of mental health issues. As of late, too. That's kind of why he stepped away from a lot of his projects. I mean, man, that's got to be a lot of fucking work, man. Writing and drawing for Marvel on these fucking timelines and shit. Well, especially with, like, how complex. Like, stepping in on for Kate on Hulk and Thor with how complex, like, Donny Cates has been going with this stuff and their their big callback and... And all that, yeah. it explains why we haven't gotten that big payoff of like the Thanos situation at the beginning of Thor and mm. kind of Hulk just falling off the face of the earth. It kind of explains a lot hearing but that I mean, he, he left those books. Ryan Otley's kind of saying the same thing as Capullo. Like they don't, nobody wants to do these long, they don't want to be committed forever anymore. They want to just kind of. Do stuff here and there, like you know, little things. I, I wonder what's going on behind the scenes that's truly making these writers and artists feel this way. I think it's a. I think in the comic book industry, there's a lot of. It almost feels like there's a lot of like maybe openings, job openings where people aren't 
um, getting work or they're, they're being approached with too much and they're taking on too much and like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to do shorter stuff so they can bounce around and do more things. Cause if you're not obligated to a 75, 80 run issue book, <laughs> you can do five, six issues of this book and then take on five, six issues with another book and then five, six issues and another book. And like, you can kind of spread your work out across multiple characters and multiple platforms and probably get more royalties than just committing yourself to, you know, however many issues of Invincible he did or, you know, because his, yeah, his run on ASM wasn't very long, 20 issues, he's saying. So mm-hmm. I, it doesn't even feel like it was 20 issues for, to me, but. I, it, I, it's because he started out doing the art for it. And I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember it being 20 issues either. It seems like it was like closer to like 10. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. And so, but I just maybe, yeah, maybe just maybe it keeps it fresh and you know, you just do enough to keep it exciting because you know, it's like any job, we all can attest to that. It being uh, it starts to suck. To do enough to sell books, yeah, they, they probably he doesn't want it to get stale, he doesn't want to be criticized on shows like ours um but not only that you know this is good for the industry because you've got to have new stories you got to have new characters it's it's you know these these guys are coming up and they're they're wanting to create something new for themselves and not just be working under a big label big banner the one problem i'll have is if they reboot doing that just because a, a an artist or a writer leaves you don't have to reboot the whole damn numbering just to flow with that i mean people that's are a money making thing though well that's money making thing but people are smart enough to know that if you have a new writing team you have a new story arc i mean it shouldn't be that hard for people yeah but when you go to a comic book shop people have it ingrained in their mind if they're not like in this community, community, um, and savvy and up being up, the, the issue, the number one stands out. So people are more right. likely to buy the book off the shelf if it's a number one versus if it's a yeah, number seventy five with a new creative team. Yeah, but that's a, that's a new thing, right? Since like the early two thousands when they started doing it. Yeah, that's how we you got know, into this. Before that, I mean, the story arcs came in and left, and you know, maybe have come back again later on, and no one batted an eye. And now you got to have all these number ones coming out every two, three years. I, I, I personally hate it because as a collector, oh my God, I gotta get another one and it's gonna have 75 covers. Yeah. You know, and then now, now you gotta deal with uh, uh, store variants, all these stores that are doing their variants. It's, it's, it's a crazy market when it comes to that now. For a I collector. Just... I just stick to, I don't care if it's store. I don't care if it's, you know, Marvel, whoever's doing it. But if I like the cover, I'm going to get it. I don't care what it is. I'm not ever going to try to get all well, That's what you should things. do. That's, that's just too much craziness. And right. I know, that, okay, there's 75 books. Eventually one of these is going to hit. Which one? You know, so you got to buy them all just in case. So you have that <laughs> one, but fuck that right. shit. Buy what you like. If you don't like right. it, don't fucking buy it. Yeah. You should always buy what you 
I mean, and if you're going to buy something else, like say it is something with 75 covers, you're going to pick the artist that's probably either the hottest artist or like you said, it's going to have the art that you like. So maybe it's the McFarlane cover or the Capullo cover or mm-hmm. the Hughes or um, whatever cover. I'm sure like you know, anything then, though, it it's like stopping you from getting stale too. Like, oh, yeah. well, you got to sit in your mind. I'm only writing, drawing six issues of this character and then I can move on. So it's, it's it, kind of got to stop your work from getting stale. And, you know, right. if you're only doing six issues, let's make it, let's give it the best bang for its buck. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I get it, but it just seems like everybody's like publicly like going in that direction. So it's, it is what it is. Well, it, it I mean, not. we do have a lot more artists and writers nowadays than we did in, in prior eras. Right. So. Yeah. You still kind of have those legend, even now you still have those kind of, like you're saying sticks, you have those legendary artists that have our time, like, Otley, yeah. Capullo, McFarland still there's, out there doing it. There's always, yeah, there's always those ones that rise to the top and people always follow them. And there's always some in the middle that people like. Maybe yeah. they don't get up to that height, but you know, and then you, you know what you're you going to like and who's the best, right? Like you can that, that never probably, happens. you could probably name like the big time writers on one, you know, one hand in the, in the game right now. So it's, I like kind of agree with you. Your tier tier list coming. Your <laughs> your bigger your writers are are definitely outnumbered by the number of artists that are out there. So, and and I I would hope like shows like ours, and if we did a tier list, could bring like those names more to the front because a lot of these people who are specking on books, they don't know the writers. They might probably know the artists. They know the characters. You know. That's not something they're specking on as the um, the writing. They're specking on the appearance or maybe the art. Let's see. Who would who would you deem a legendary writer right now? Scott Snyder, probably. Yep. James Tinian the fourth. Like Tinian I there. love Joshua Williamson's writing. Joshua Williamson. Yeah. Like, I, I don't he's... I don't know if I'd put Williamson in legendary, but I think he's He's getting up there. He's, he's right on that cusp of it. Yeah. Like he was real hot, you know, but he's a great writer. So. Ram, I, I really am enjoying the stuff Ram V has been doing. I really liked Zeb Wells. Um, right. So guys like Ram Tom King, I mean, they're, they're hot now. they do later on when they go on to and do some other things right i mean i don't know how much he's actually done i'm not a, a ram follower so well i mean ram's um, killing i think he's writing detective right I, now i've heard nothing but good carnage things. i've heard nothing but yeah. good things but our venom you know, like so all right yeah yeah but, what's next here guys it i mean i guess it also too allows writers to push out more stuff too and then they can go okay well we're gonna throw it to this artist and we're gonna throw these issues to this one so as a writer you can pump out more stuff and and get yourself in a better position if you have burnout or need to take a break or whatever later on down the line mm-hmm. chip zadarsky ewing yep, yep. yep Baker, yeah. and ram v yeah i mean there's a lot uh, of good writers out there i see no one screaming at putting donny kate in the chat 
I don't know. I I like Donny Cates a lot. I I really like his dedication to <laughs> the the craft and the history of comics and how deep and f- the deep cuts he's willing to go to and how far and obscure things he's willing to pull out and work in to make them connect. And right, I, Kate- I think Cates is a great writer. I just think he loses steam and then falls off when he tries to do events. Do you think it's Kate- losing steam or do you think he takes on too much and it becomes so intertwined and he's doing so many different things it's hard to to stick the landing you probably it's like anticipate something that he's going to do next so much that he just kind of yeah. loses because like when there, he was there, there could wrote, be a couple things there like when he was writing reactor for vault comics that fucking that little it was like a six or just like a six issue miniseries it was fucking badass like so much so like I had never heard of him, and like, I had picked it up just so that we could do a comic review on uh, Absolute Geek, and I picked up uh, Reactor Number One for Vault, and I was like, "Holy shit, this motherfucker's badass!" You know, and then all of a sudden, like, you saw him at Image, and I was like, "Oh, great! I get to read more Donny Cates." You know, you started reading Redneck, you start, you know what I mean. And then you're like, oh, shit, he's going to be over here at Marvel. You're like, hell, that's how it was for me with Donnie Cates because when I was first reading his stuff, it was great. But, yeah, maybe maybe this is what it is. He's a little too ambitious. Well, maybe. Uh, Maybe a question to ask Cates would be, you know, you you, you were able to do this over here. When you came to Marvel, how much towards the end were they kind of pushing you to finish it off and you had to rush it? You know, maybe, maybe there's a little bit there of him and them. Pushing to get the the stuff done, but you know we give, they knew we he give, was going to move on to something else. You know we that give Don Kate, but remember the ending of Batman with Scott Snyder, you, Matt. You remember we were like the fuck, yeah. But what what the fuck did you just do, Scott Snyder? Like, <laughs> like really? I was like the last few issues, like I was like, and then he didn't even write the final issue. Yeah, he left. Like I think he left the book with like three issues to go, and those three issues were all guest writers. But even like he left right after the Mister Bloom stuff, right? Right around Mister Bloom is when you were just even Mister Bloom. You were like, "Let's go." He felt very much like a Joker knockoff. It kind of like is 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 he starting to phone it in? Like that's the like because you were like reading like you read these great arcs that he had written, and then you're like. What's he doing? Like once he got to Mister Bloom, you're like, what is he doing? Like for real? Like, it's it's is he having someone else write this for him? He's just putting his name on it. Like, is I don't know. So yeah. But moving on here, wrestler turned actor Dave Bautista is deadly serious about his transition from Hulk, uh, hulking fighter to Hollywood superstar. And he's not thrilled about his com- comparison to Dwayne Johnson, or as most of him know him as The Rock. In an interview with GQ, the massive brute of a man revealed his acting inspirations are far more than thespian than action hero aspirations. I never wanted to be the next Rock. I just want to be a good fucking actor. The former wrestler said before adding, "A respected actor." Throwing that shade on The Rock. Props to him. Well, then he came out and said that he was just, he's glad he's not playing Drax anymore because of the, the makeup times and all that. He doesn't want to be 
type cast in the superhero role. He wants to be, he said, take on serious roles. And then he goes out and does something like knives out glass onion. Um, and now he's like throwing his weight behind M night Shyamalan and he's doing an M night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Stuber. He's putting his work in Stuber. Is he going to be in what? Like he's, he's always going to be playing those tough guys. I think he's a good actor. Though. I don't think he like the when I think of The Rock, I just think of the same shit. Like it's um, the same shit. I don't think he's a very good actor. I think he did good as Drax. I think but, he's putting his work in. I but I don't think he's a lead role guy. I think he, he did good in Army of the Dead. He's he's not someone that's going to get a boatload of. Uh, for, and I think commentary, right? I think he'll get that. So, I think like Drax fit him good because he didn't have to talk a lot, and he's still learning how to for the acting. So that worked for him. So if you find a director that can work him into stuff that he's good with, he'll be fine. I, I agree with Joe. He sniffs his own farts too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I so, just—he's not—he's not a lead role guy. The no. the M Night Shyamalan not right now. Movie sticks is called Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the cabin. Okay, going back to horror. All right, good. So, well, they show it. It's the premises is like while vacationing, these two two dads and their little girl are approached by a bunch of like doomsday preppers that say that they're in order Ooh, to there's an interview soon, Marvel man, avoid the apocalypse. They have to make an unbearable choice where I think it's gonna, you know, it's gonna turn out to where they have to choose who lives and who dies in so this like room. A Sophie's so, choice thing. Yeah, so it's gonna no, be Sophie's like Sophie's choice. Sophie's choice. Sophie's choice. Good options. This is the opposite of that. It's a lose lose. I hope. I hope what it does is I hope it's an F Mary kill. <laughs> I hope it's something like you put pineapples on your pizza and then they say yes and then he he doesn't kill him. M. Night Shyamalan twist. No, he does that thing. Shyamalan. Uh, the, last, the last Shyamalan movie was old, uh, which was the dumbest movie I've seen in a long time. And every time I see a Shyamalan movie, I'm like, that's the dumbest movie I think I've ever seen in a long time. Every time I see one, I'm like, that person's dead. <laughs> old is the one where they're at the beach, right? Yeah. Dude, I'll do it. One, I'll do it. I'll be the undercard. Uh, CBK was in that chat too. He knows about the whatnot drama in the oh, dude, dude, the I remember Tiger King of whatnot. Like, oh, there's there's dudes that are gonna do a boxing match. That yeah, well, ultimately, it started, it's it ended with that Nick GQ dude being like, I want to fight you, meet me in the street and fight you. And then the other dude was like, I'll fight you for like five thousand dollars on the line or fifteen thousand dollars or something like that. And then they're talking about how they want to do it boxing and get it commissioned or. He wants what not to sponsor it and and to put on the fight and so I remember on fate when Facebook Live was a big thing selling on Facebook Live there was a dude that was on there Zachary Russell he ended up turning out to be like the biggest scammer in like comic books I'm surprised we never really talked about it he ended a oh, huge scammer you remember that guy Matt mm -hmm. uh, he ended up being a huge scammer but he did that with some dude he he was like. He wanted to do a sanctioned fight for charity. Five hundred thousand dollar ball. He was ball. doing videos of him fucking running with his like his his army gear on, fucking sweating. Like he's Rocky and, or something. Yeah, it was fucking stupid. Why did he start so high? Five hundred thousand. 
Hey, if you guys want, if you guys want real violence, then we can we can set up a charity dodgeball match, and we'll make it. We'll play with volleyballs. Carmen, it's like a job. Sir John says Batista is what my nephew thinks he is. <laughs> you 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 never ask for the lowest money. You always ask for as much as you can. Well, it's and like negotiate. You got five hundred thousand dollars to throw down. First off, you're gonna start throwing that out there. Let's see your account numbers. Well, he he did brag about making one million dollars last year on whatnot. So, I just, you know, Joe says I just kept asking them to take their shirts off during the argument. <laughs> I was I joined the argument and left. I joined the chat and I'm like, fuck this, this is too much. I can't even understand. Dude, this. it was like a beautiful car crash. I couldn't look away when I was watching yeah. it. I need to start going back onto whatnot, dude. Like I abandoned whatnot a long time ago, and I don't even. I kept going. Me. Who's got the Jamaican accent? It's a I lot mean, of. It's a lot of people now not selling anything, but just oddly watching like Disney Plus <laughs> or like Avengers in game Twitch. in the background. So it's kinda, starting yeah. like only fan. Kind of. It's just like yeah, they're like look like they're gonna have a sale, but then you just see like part of a TV in the background that has Avengers on it or something, and they just never yeah, actually sell anything. Bitter gets the next show choice. So it's just it's just a bunch of comic book <laughs> flippers trying to. What was that? It's just a bunch of comic book flippers sitting around in their basements with the TV on. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know. Getting... Not, it, it, it was so promising in the beginning, and I, I just don't. It just turned. It's into turned a, into a giant shit show now. Like yeah. it's just. So right. whatever happened to the the uh, eBay live sales? They're coming. They started up. They're probably a, watching whatnot and waiting for them to do all okay. the wrong things. So they can we're not going to do that, and we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Fuck it. We're not doing it live. <laughs> what? What's up? We're scrapping. We're scrapping eBay live. Forget we're it. Scrapping it. Yeah, they're probably like Let's wait and see what happens to, on whatnot. And we'll make our. We'll make changes. Because whatnot. Uh, there's so, there's so many of those types of apps now, right? So, after whatnot, they got pop it. Or, so I wonder how that's going to be yeah, thrown into it. Like, <laughs> hopefully, I had, a, God, let's, let's, I had a, a old coffee grinder that I sold like a couple years ago. This dude got it, opened it up, broke it when he was opening it up, and then said it was broke, sent it back, got his money back. And I look at his store and he sells parts inside coffee grinders. Like, <laughs> So this this dude opened it up, and I'm assuming he took the part out he needed and then sent it back. So eBay's got that money back guarantee crap. I remember 2006 to like 2010, like eBay was fucking phenomenal. It was awesome. You really truly got great deals all the time on eBay. Now they just make all you buyers happy, no matter what. I remember right. like there was a someone remember, sounds better. I don't know how early you guys used to go I'm on. <laughs> But I remember, remember they had like an oddity section to eBay. Yeah. Um, I remember there was a dude that was selling ghosts in a jar. <laughs> well, now if you buy those, opposed, that's no money back. I guess as opposed to farts in a jar. Yeah, it was ghosts. He had this. I remember he had this whole elaborate story that he was walking through the woods and he came across this dilapidated old cabin and he went in there and. And there was a ghost. He got, you know, he got it into the jar, and he was selling it. 
<laughs> put a video of, get me out this jar, man. Like, have some voiceover. Like a, he was like, once you, it, it. you open it at your own risk and all this other shit. It was great. There was people just so dumb shit. It was awesome. Yeah. You like, like, you, like, I remember going, you know, if I was thinking about buying something, fuck it, I'm going to go to eBay first. And now I'm like, now I'm like, what the fuck is my eBay password? <laughs> Return printers, my dude, my dude was selling. He just like, he kept bitching about them kicking him off this platform. And then I got a printer from, I got three printers one weekend. All three of them, none of them worked. I'm like, dude, God, like you got, you got to sell working stuff, man. Is this why they kicked you off eBay? Oh, man. Hey yeah. Sam, are, is our guest fashionably late? I don't know. I don't still know got that. one minute. You get catfish. Oh shit, that's right. Six o'clock. I don't know what I was thinking. All right, let's keep going then. I uh, Dana White training his wife up for his new slap, his new slapping fight. You know, instead of UFC, he's gonna do slap fights now. You've heard me say for years there's never an excuse for a guy to put his hands on a woman. Now I'll, here I am I'll on TMZ. To that, BK, I'll be the first person to donate. <laughs> now here I am on TMZ talking about it. White told the website, Dana and I have been married, or Dana and I have been married for almost 30 years. Anna White said in a statement to TMZ, to say this is out of character for him is an understatement. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Unfortunately, we were both drinking too much on New Year's Eve and things got out of control on both sides. We've talked this through as a family. And apologize to each other. I just hope that people will respect our privacy for the sake of our kids. You know, when you watch the video, she slaps him first, and well, he doesn't even like he doesn't even look. He doesn't like haul back and like jaw jack her. He just like taps her across the face. That's still not. Get out the baby powder first. No, but I mean, it's still not an excuse to put your hands on a woman. But yeah, I know. a lot of people look at it like if she wants to step to you like a man and hit you first, then. He- you know, you, you make money off of men slapping other men, so right? It's only instinct, I guess. But Sir John says Dana White needs to practice, he more fly squashed her. They yeah. need a rematch, they need to take it to the octagon if they want to be real about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he no, didn't like training her for the, the slap competition. Yeah, power slap. She's gonna be the first trained for the female division in power slap. <laughs> He's Sean Con reader. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know, dude. I remember when the UFC used to be so badass. They need a red team versus blue team. Dana and his wife, the coach on the other team. Oh, yeah, like an ultimate fighter for slapping. But yeah, when that originally came out with like Dan Severin and Royce Gracie and all those guys, that was when it was the best. Like I used to go all the time to him. Because I used to be rich. No, I'm just joking. But it was like, what happened, dude? I met like his, his wife spent the last little bit of their fortune on those curtains. It was just all downhill <laughs> from there. These will be great. Like I remember, I used, it would be like me and my dad, and my brother-in-law. We'd all go and like it was. I think it might have been Chuck Liddell. My dad goes down, and I didn't want to get up from my seat because I'd been drinking too much, and I always got the fight cards. You know, it had all the fighters in it. And I said, hey, my dad was on the last, on the end of the road. I was like, hey, it's Chuck Liddell. Go get the autograph in my fight card for me. So he's like, all right. I gave him, you know, the Sharpie we've done there. And he was like, uh, he walked out of Chuck Liddell. says, hey, can you get this signed for my son? And Chuck Liddell's like, 
hey, where's the little guy at? And he says, that guy right there. And I was like, ah! <laughs> 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 He's got that disorder where he looks like a grown man. <laughs> but... <laughs> He just made. I, I was like, why is Chuck, you, why is Chuck <laughs> making that weird face? And then that's you know when my dad came back and that's what he told me. It was probably was way worse. You were probably way worse than you imagined in your head too. Like, all right, God, real sloppy. I remember we went one time to the fights. It was same thing. It was like me and my brother and my dad. We went with the owner of the company that I worked with, and you know, like the vice president dude. And fucking, uh, I'm sitting there and like we. It was one of the ones that we would just fly out for the flight, fight, watch the fight, and then we just fly back home. And like, uh, Damn, so we really were, had money. Talking about being rich, we were, uh, we were. So we were drinking. You know, we'd get on like a seven a.m. flight, so we'd be at the airport drinking fucking like, uh, you know, shots and stuff and beers, and then we would, uh, we got on the plane, had a couple drinks, we'd get there, we'd sit around and drink and. By the time the fight got around, like we were sitting there, and my dad's like, I remember he put like four hundred dollars on like Rich Franklin. He got his ass whooped by Anderson Silva. That's when he fucking put his nose over here. So we get to the fight, we're sitting there, and I'm drinking a drink, and my owner of my company comes over and he goes, Hey, your dad's about to get arrested. You fucking better go find him. And I was like, All right, let's go get him. I look and the owner's gone. He's like hiding in the like, So I walk out, and my dad is in the uh, hallway of the Mandalay Bay at the front doors, laying down, sleeping, and everyone's having to step over him. <laughs> and the fucking the, the the sheriffs are like poking him with their nightsticks, trying to wake him up. And he's hey, fucking man. smacking him awake. Fuck away from me, dude. And they're like, dude, if you don't fucking get up, we're gonna take you to jail. So he goes, all right, fuck it. And he sits up and he leans against the wall and he goes back to sleep. We've all been there. And they're like, that's not what we mean. <laughs> so I run up and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. All right. And they're like, if you can't get him out of here back to your hotel room, he's going to jail. So I called my mom. I was like, hey, I ain't missing this fucking fight. You need to come get him. And fucking, so him and my wife, her and my wife, my mom and my wife come over and they grab him and fucking they sit like there's this married couple walking by. And he runs over there and he grabs a corsage off the fucking <laughs> off the wipe and fucking throws it. And fucking, he's, he's tripping people on the escalators and shit. Your dad, that that's a problem, child. That's a that's your dad's a, a fucking menace. That's what yeah, it is. guys that like punches you for no reason at a campfire. It was fucking awesome though. And I just All went right. back to the fight. Cliff will be on at seven. What the so, fuck? So we can move on with the rest of the. Slides. All right. Your thing, boss. All right. Let's get in to worst and best covers of the week. Yeah, Marvel Man. He was a ton of fun to go party with. <laughs> Worst and best coverage of the week. Kicking us off this week. Earth Divers number four. Lavette cover. That cover just looks like Shaggy from Scooby. It looks like a trans Shaggy from Scooby Doo. And a snake. Yes. 
And a snake, yes. The snake looks better than the, the actual character. I don't like it. It does look really... Yes, yes. I, I it's like really sketchy. Vector. You know what I mean? She's like shaded yeah. like three or four different... I, I like the goatee. Yeah, she's got a goatee. <laughs> Those aren't tribal tattoos? No, no, I think it's no, a, no, it's like solid. Go her face is one color, her body's another color, her hands are a different color. No way, I don't believe it. Wow, okay, well, it's just not a I don't, I don't believe it's the hair, I don't believe it's hair. Not a good, okay. <laughs> well, that head's definitely not attached to that neck. You're not my dad, I don't believe you. Velma Shaggy Hybrid. There you go, Tyson. <laughs> Where are my classes? Well, Joe's Doolin says, yes, they are tribal tattoos. I don't know what tribal uh, tattoos look like. Yeah. That. She looks like she's got a little bit of Thanos going on there. That ain't hair. Yeah, no. Like, right. like long lines. Moving on, we got Rob Liefeld. I'm seeing Rob Liefeld. X-Force 36. Where every character looks like Rob Liefeld. Yeah, that's a bad man to homage himself. Yes, he's like, they're like, hey, Rob, who do you, I'm gonna homage myself, motherfuckers. Why don't you block all the feet in the picture? He oh, did he that did. on purpose. He's tired Stop of getting, it. he's tired of getting harangued by guys like us. <laughs> Liefeld after Liefeld. <laughs> yeah, Liefeld's the legs only. By now, the editor has got to be like, we got to crap those shit out. It's like, they don't. <laughs> well, I mean, Omega Red looks like he's trying to push one out big time. He just looks like he ate a whole bunch of Taco Bell. He's got that. He's then you got Hulkin. back here doing Blue Steel. And who <laughs> knows what Domino's doing. Domino's bo body just looks like super, like her waist looks super long to me. It's unhealthy. She's wearing like she's got a mud baby or whatever they're those those things that you tighten up. Corset. Corset. She is struggling. Domino is struggling to stand up straight. She must have been partying with us in Vegas. For me, the weird thing about Liefeld is that none of his characters have an upper lip. None of them, <laughs> except well, I mean Domino does, and so does the chick back here, but. Yeah, none of his male faces ever have an upper it's lip. Other when you're like, yes. <laughs> there are their teeth are exposed, and there's no upper lip. I can't even do it. Uh, yes, that's. I just when I was going through these, and I was like, did he just fucking? And I even said to the man, I was like, did he just homage himself? With the balls on this guy. Big old fucking brass balls on this guy. Yeah, I After me. <laughs> yeah. I will I will say it's better than some unknown doing a crappy job homaging him, I guess. I mean, he can like, just do no, his own yeah, crappy job. We had your own crappy job homaging your already crappy <laughs> job. I can do that myself. Thank you. <laughs> we don't want somebody to do a crappy job your homage, so let's just just you just be you, Rob. Just let Rob do it. <laughs> so if you homage yourself, that's basically recycling old ideas, right? I yeah, mean, it is part of Hollywood. Homage is sexual. What? 
What, what? <laughs> what about being sexual? You're homo- homage is sexual. You homage yourself. Okay. It's like homosexual, but it's No, no, we get it. We get it, yeah. And that's one spaghetti noodle that didn't stick to the wall. Keep keep oiling the spaghetti. Next, we got Scarlet Witch number one variant. The Witch is back. Adam Hughes classic cover. Adam Hughes did like you. Do you guys don't like this? I like. She. You guys don't like the Jenny McCarthy look? Yeah. She looks like Jenny McCarthy from the nineties. I like it. The but, best from basketball. Yeah, Adam Hughes. Adam Hughes does the same face in a lot of his stuff. Maybe he's got a thing for Jenny McCarthy. That's a prize. And like, what's this Don't hair right here? It looks like it Fine. looks like someone spilled coffee on her shirt or something. It's like she's in that. What's that? It's drool. It's armpit hair, clearly. Yeah, the well, shape of like open, a so wide is drool. Armpit hair in the shape of like a pumpkin bomb. <laughs> she's magically keeping you from vaccines. Yeah. Well, but I mean. <sighs> Part of me, it's like it's Adam Hughes, man. Like he did, it's not like he did a horrible, horrible job on it. Like it's no, I like everything. Like I said, I like everything on this cover, but the face. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sir Johnson, that mouth could crack coconuts. It just reminds <laughs> me of that part where where Jenny McCarthy's like, where she's gonna she sucked the chrome off the hitch or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That is a Jenny McCarthy. No. And that hand looks a little like the finger placement on the hands a little wonky. Like, she why like is this one finger like massive compared to the rest of her? She was and... one reason why I watched The Mass Singer. Yeah, hey, good point. Great According point. to Marco, nobody watches that show. So I guess we know we know at least one now, huh? I it was very popular when it first came out. But it's I would kind be like, of, I'd be like googling and trying to figure out who did it. Like, like I found myself too involved with it. Yeah, you had to, to step away. You're getting I too did. obsessed. I spent too much time googling trying to figure out. Like, I'd go online and and read what everybody else wrote, like who they like thought it was, and then I would take them and like dwindle them down. And then it was I just put too much, way too much fucking work into the Mass Singer. He he had one of those yarn boards behind him, you know, with the like the conspiracy theorist. Yeah, that'd be him. Yeah, yeah. And then I was always wrong. Connecting the dots. They they give you a lot of red herrings in that show. Yeah, but I mean, this is one of those covers that walks the thin line between being best and worst. But it's just, I feel like he just recycles this face facial expression a lot, and the hand it just was like Adam Hughes is not his greatest work. Well, like when we do it, what everybody says about J. Scott Campbell, why change something if it works? I guess. That's why J. Scott Campbell draws cat faces constantly. Dude, I still love his art, man. Mm. I like him, so. Oh, I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot. Well, I'm going to be the contrary opinion. I actually, I like this. I like this cover. I still love that other cover he did that, uh, was it that incentive cover that he did for the, uh, for like the, the Kickstarter? 
with the brick wall and she's got the wet shirt and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hughes? Yeah. yeah Hughes one? Yeah. A soda pop or whatever it's called? Yeah. Pop. Yeah, where she's... But see, this, the girl on that cover is almost making the same facial expression. But she looks like Jennifer Lawrence instead of Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> he goes with the Jens. Oh, yes. I agree with Chad. Pop kill, yeah. I mean, it's Thank you, same, Thank you. Yeah. Same facial expression. But all right, now we get into our best covers of the week. Secret Invasion number three. The uh, Lobe Marvel and Emmy Lobe cover. Anything with a skull on it is just usually dope. And now you have a scroll skull. This is all the sections. So dope. I guess Bloody. if you're shape if you're a shapeshifter, you have a lot of bones in your skull. That, I was gonna say Daniel White smacked them, but it looks like there's lumps of tissue. Well, I was thinking that like maybe it's they it's cartilage, and so they can unhinge and change to meet and form into the new the person's correct bone structure that they're turning into. Kind of like what mm. Sam said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly what Sam said. <laughs> I mean, if if, if Job, Sam. I, don't know, I don't know what color cartilage is. It's white. It's the the skull here is a miss. Looks like a, a skull that's been broken into like sixty pieces. Yeah, and put back together. I think it's neat. <laughs> Enough people commented on Jayla's likeness on that pop because she may have a case. <laughs> uh oh. Better watch out, AH. <laughs> Next, we got uh, Nightmare Night of Han's Nightmare Blog 11. Can't see who did the cover because my who did this cover, Kyle? Here, I'll bring it up real quick just because of my like excuses, your bar excuses. Is cutting it off. It's the Kondrunsky cover. Simon Kudransky. You know why I like this cover a lot? Why I pick, <laughs> Matt might know why I actually picked this cover. If anybody will know, I'm sure it's Matt. Pink guy? No. Simon Kudro. I picked it because it like I there's that badass like the the Walking Dead cover. And the, it was just so cool with the eyeball and and when I saw this, it totally reminded me of that Walking Dead cover. And anything time when anybody does a close eyeball where you get to see the reflection of who's, I just, I love that concept and I think it's fucking cool. And I yeah. think it's just something that just, it, I think it just kills and I love it. Yeah, it's a sick cover. It's almost as good as the Walking Dead cover. Me love to be. And then we've got the Joker, the man who stopped laughing. Number four, the Lee. Is it the Lee? Remijo? Remijo? Yeah, I can't see the. I just see the Lee. Someone in the background doesn't want to take a bath. <laughs> yeah. So is that that's a sick cover no. with like the that's marionette really cool. of Red Hood. Yeah. Dude, good. I mean, the last few Joker covers have just been fucking sick. Which always goes to show, and I've, I've 
I've had this. Uh, I've brought this point up a bunch of times. I think the Joker is like a muse for people. Like something about the Joker where people can just create so well with him. Like it, I just, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to find horrible Joker stuff, except for him being pregnant and throwing up a kid. Um, other than that, like it, it seems to be like a muse, you know what I mean? Like people just, for some reason, it just shit just turns out awesome when it comes turns to on the Joker. creative juices. Sure. Yeah. It's because you never know what he's going to do. Right. And it just, it's just people just can just, I don't know, they, 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 they can just like tune into him and like create this badass shit when it comes to the Joker. Like, you know, like the last few covers have just been fire and, you know, it's just, I don't know, like it in, inspires people like overly, I think. Like, that's who Donnie Case needs to write is like a badass Joker story. I like how he's kind of an amalgam. This particular design is kind of an amalgam of the Vincent Price and the, the, uh, Heath Ledger Jokers. So you have kind of the Vincent Price look with the scars on the face, like uh, Heath Ledger or even Jack Nicholson kind of mixed in there too. Um, that's a really cool design. I love it. I like it a lot. And then we have the Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes 64 art germ cover. Our gym, our gym doesn't disappoint, man. Always never covers. Never. Is this Phoenix? Yes, it's the original Phoenix. Yeah. We need to get him back on the show. AI. Is this the 10,000 BC one? or? Yep. Mm-hmm. We need to get back on and tell him, how the fuck do you always come up with fire covers? How the hell do you do it? I use a lot of fire. I like fire. I paint it and then I light it. So, yeah, Art Germ never. I mean, can, can you? Can anybody in the chat or anybody on the panel think of a a disappointing Art Germ cover? No, nothing really comes to mind. Not really, like, there's like, always a couple like like um, Peach Momoko that don't hit the mark, but they're always usually pretty good. Like, I I can't think of one that that says, "Damn it, Art Germ, why did you do that?" Yeah, no, but, usually all of our gym's covers are absolute fire. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at a bunch of his right now, and they're just, it's just badass. Was, I think there was a there was a ghost spider one where he did uh, the Green Goblin. That was, yeah, it was kind of not as great as some of the other ones, but it was still good enough to be one that I got. Yeah, Cesar Romero. Sorry, Joe. You're right. Oh, yeah, you said uh, Vincent Price. <laughs> I said Vincent Price. This yeah. season, remember. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree. I, I, I agree. I kind of agree with BK. But I think he does so many badass covers, it's hard to have an iconic cover. But, but because I, they're all the same. They're all the same uh, equality, right? Like, I'm looking through it. I'm trying to find a, yeah, one. That one that kind of... Some of his Batgirls were, oh, Cowboy Bebop was. Some of his, let's see. Art Germ, we'll go with, uh, we'll start with Cowboy Bebop. 
We could save this one for a tier list. Let's see. I'll share my screen real quick. Or not. We, I mean, we could do that. I mean, we're not allowed to do tier lists. We're not? I'm just joking. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Just, just fucking around. Let me add this to the stream. So here's Cowboy Bebop. Oh, okay. I mean, they're, they're pretty good. What it seems to be with the Cowboy Bebop is he didn't make them as vibrant as he makes his other uh, his other drawings and his other covers. You know what I mean? Reminds me of uh, you said, uh, it's a Harley Davidson thing. I remember uh, she was talking about with the background. He did the Korean cover for Street like, I, I love <laughs> I so wish Albuquerque would have did this cover. God. Everyone had to get all fucking up in arms over it. Like, that's fucking great. But it is what it is. That's oh, Matt bailed. <laughs> Bloodstone number one. Let's look at that one. Where oops, let me reshare it. That's such a great brick wall background, by the way. Which what, what cover did? Is it not showing up? No, I did. I'm in the process of building a new computer so that it, so that I could actually share shit. Sorry about that, guys. I need more RAM. So, try to. That's you need a camera. That's why I'm building a new computer. His camera. He has a camera. Fine. He just, just chooses not to fucking use it. Yeah. Yeah. But all right, well, we'll just. I do. I do too much over here. Just not a fan of art. I, 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 I can. I can. I can kind of see that too. I can. I can see that. I can see that as well. But all right, let's. Uh, let me remove this. <laughs> art room covers with dudes. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just, I just, he's just awesome. I, I just love his work. And next, we got big news in anime with, with the strongest Avenger, Sam. Blaming uh, 
Sam, I'm going to have to throw a little shade at you. And I had to spend a bunch of money on fucking Chainsaw Man mangas because now I'm so hooked. And I don't know when we're going to get season two. I had to, I had to buy, I bought one through 11 and I'm waiting for Amazon to deliver those. And I've already reread volumes one through three. Yep. So now I'm waiting for four to eleven to come so that I could keep reading it. Yeah, but Chainsaw Man is a phenomenal, devastatingly awesome series. So I'm I'm happy for you. I bought uh, volumes one through eleven. Um, part two has started, and there's volume twelve out now. Uh, it's it's just an amazing, amazing series. I'm glad that you got into the the anime. Um, you're going to be ahead of the game story-wise when the when the series progresses finally at last. But uh, season two is looking like it's going to come out. Um, if if it comes out this year, it'll be at the very end of the year, but it'll probably more likely be um, 2024. See, that's and that's why I'm buying the 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 mangas because like. I'm not wanting to wait two years to fucking see what's going on. Just, yeah. No, sir. So this series right here is Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead. This oh, is a this is a newer manga series that has picked up a lot of steam lately. And it, it, uh, Shogaku-kan announced on Friday that it is getting an anime. And it will stream on Hulu in the U.S., which means that it is a Disney acquisition. So... Everywhere else in the world is going to be on Disney Plus. Uh, Viz Media. This is this is one you can buy volumes from Viz Media. Um, it's not a Shueisha publication, so it's a little. It's not part of the Shonen Jump lineup. So this is one you would be buying uh, volume by volume. Uh, but it is highly regarded, so it's something that people can like. So, my son told me about a new anime to try out. Called, uh, let me see. I'm looking at my crunchy roll right now. It's called. Well, uh, speaking of <laughs> speaking of new animes, we can go to the next slide here. Oh, and this it's called, it's called Revenger. Tokyo Revengers. Is that what it's Tokyo called? Revenger. Tokyo Revengers. Yeah. Oh, it just says Re it just says Revenger. It's just called Revenger. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. I, Tokyo Revengers. So season one, episode one just came out. It says, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be big. Master, what's that? I've seen a lot. It of says his master assassin Yukiyen looks into a series of assassinations made on the Grand Samurai Clan, the Sas the Sasamua. He encountered Kuruo Razio, member the survivor of one of the attacks. Together, they discover the true nature of these murders is bigger than. Overstolen resources, if they get close to the truth, they will come out alive to extract revenge. All the right, well, there you is, go. Is Shakachiku? Shakachan. <laughs> I don't know what you guys <laughs> um, But this was one I, I wanted to bring up because it was one that made a lot of your lists of best, best animes ever, top five. Um, and which is Trigun. Trigun is being revived uh, in a new series called Trigun Stampede, which starts this weekend. Uh, you can actually pick it up right now. You can watch it on, on Crunchyroll right now. 
Dude, I used to be late for work watching Trigun because it was like one of the last one of the last cartoons of Adult Swim before it switched back to Cartoon Network. Yeah. And I had to leave like a half I had to leave right when it started, but fuck no, man. I'm watching fucking Trigun. So I was late for work for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch fucking Trigun because that shit was dude, Vash Stampede is the shit. So it is it has a bit of a different art style than the original series. Uh, if you're going to watch it, let me know how uh, how you feel about it versus the original. I will. So I can watch it tomorrow? You can watch it now? Right now. So I'll actually take a look. Should they read right these now. favorites? Like well, I'll be back, guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll see Kyle in about 25 minutes. Yeah. Uh, then if you want to move to the next slide... This is the WTF manga of the week, High School Family. Uh, this is a gag manga, um, which, like many gag, long-running gag mangas, it it has kind of grown from its original premise of being very silly to uh, being more of a heartfelt story and and kind of a wholesome thing. But the the story follows the young man up front. His name's Kotaro Iatani, and he is starting high school. And much to his chagrin, his entire family enrolls in high school at the same time, including his dad, his mom, his younger sister, and his cat. They're all students at the same high school, and they're all in the same class. It doesn't class. even make sense. <laughs> it doesn't even make fucking sense. Is it it's, obedience school? So how do they get the cat's transcripts? I'm going to pull a Hartman here. They, so it, they they test in. They have to test in. Uh, so like they're like to the dad. They're like, aren't you like forty five? So he never went to high school, right? He never did high school when he was young, and so it's kind of like a back to school thing. He's living out his dream. Same with the wife. Um, and then the the young daughter is a genius, and the cat is, uh, you know, he qualifies as well. So they all. Kind of find their own have niche. A thumb to, 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 to write down answers. It sounds like so, the sequel to cat, Billy Madison. Cat, cat thing. The the son joins the tennis team. The dad plays volleyball. The mom is the baseball team's manager. The daughter becomes the captain of the chess team, and the cat joins a gang. <laughs> <laughs> Are they called the Cadillac Cats? They're called the Pussy Cats. <laughs> so it's it's hilarious. Uh, it's weird and. You know, if you guys are looking for something a little more wholesome uh, in the WTF, I would recommend High School Family. Dude, that's so funny. <laughs> I can't join the gang. <laughs> and sadly, we have no more Chainsaw Review. Oh, we could review the last, the final episode, Chainsaw Man. Well, I I want, you know, we were, Kyle kind of talked about buying up all the Chainsaw Man uh, for part one. I want. I kind of wanted to talk about the whole season as a, as a whole, rather than just individual episodes. But um, is it done? Like the first yeah, season. It's done. The first season's done. There's 12 episodes. Kyle, I I want to get your take. I've been I've been steeped in Chainsaw Man since 2020. Um, did you did you enjoy it? Oh man, like. Enough that I'm fucking. I just spent like a hundred dollars, a hundred plus dollars on fucking mangas. <laughs> you got a yeah. stamp of this fucking show, right? Uh, was it was it anything like you'd ever seen anything before? 
No, I thought it was different, and I I liked, but still my besides power, she's my fucking favorite. Just her, I don't give a fuck. Attitude is awesome. Yeah, but just like I I you know it, I've said this before, the whole my goal is just to get into get into a chick's pants, touch yeah. boobs, like like. That just speaks high, you know what I mean? Like I just I loved that concept that that you know it is true, guys will do almost anything to you know just to be able to ring, ring, and uh <laughs> and the uh, fucking Matt, what are you looking at? Chainsaw man. Uh, and uh and, you know what I mean, and I love the violence, I love the gore, I love you know it just overall it just it just it seemed like it just it's just hitting on all cylinders. You don't know what's gonna happen next. Like, you know, a lot of things you can kind of predict what's gonna happen, what's gonna go, but this one is kind of the ones where like you're like, okay, I thought I got a feeling where this is nope. They're gonna they're gonna change it up on you. Yeah, one of the things that that really surprised me going through the series, um, and, and with season one is that they're not really precious with their characters. In other words, uh a lot of people die. A lot of people die. And they don't, they, you know, there's not plot armor for anybody. People, people's lives are at stake. And you see that happen in season one. Um, The team loses, loses a lot of members and people, you see people get shot in the head. You see people just, uh, they get sacked. They sacrifice themselves for other people. And, um, and so when it, when you're talking about the twisted turns, you're like, wow, I really was expecting a lot more people to survive this battle, but they really don't. I, I, it reminds me of the walking dead. Like nobody is safe. Yeah. And they prove it. Nobody, nobody is safe. You don't, don't get truly attached to anybody except power. Cause there's just, how can you not? Yeah, but, definitely, definitely get attached to power. Yeah. Do that. What did you think, Matt? I liked it a lot. I mean, it was it was definitely gory. It was a different ch- change of pace. It definitely filled that void that like One Punch Man has left as far as anime goes for me. Um, I I think I'm the only one on the panel that didn't really like Power. I kind of found her annoying, and <laughs> didn't really care for that character. I was more. I of ordered a, a Power sticker for my car. <laughs> I like I I you know I thought Denji was a good lead character and I can really uh, sympathize with his, his grind to get that ass and titties. So, you know, you know, you know, for me, when, when he gets criticized for his goals and you know, they say you're the only person on this team, not taking things seriously. And when you look at Denji's motivations, what he's wanting is a human life. He wants to experience a normal human life. Like he, mm-hmm. he's never had, bread with jam on it the only thing he ever gets to eat is like one like half a slice of moldy bread a day when when we pick up with him in episode one and so like when he indulges he puts three different kinds of jam on his bread and and when he's saying i you know i want to get to second base that's my motivation that's my hero's motivation it's like he well he really wants is a regular teenage life that has been I still so like far out of base. What's that? 
I still like getting to second base. Yeah, right. But <laughs> but for us, it's like a very it's a very ordinary thing, nope. even though it's I awesome. Have a privilege every time. Absolutely, but it's it, it's something that is more ordinary for us than it was for Denji. Like Denji, Denji has no human love in his life, so that kind of thing is what drives him. And and it seems it seems very superficial when we first meet him, but as the story goes, you're like, wow, yeah, he really needs this kind of connection to to stay grounded. I really hope he gets laid in like in in the course of this i hope i want to see him like that punch drunk first time feeling you know what i mean well he is just a kid (laughs) he's only 16 (laughs) so i don't think kyle never happening (laughs) (laughs) it'll happen for him i'm rooting for genji but uh, yeah, I thought season one was very good. We saw we saw a lot of strange behavior from Makima, where she she uses a, a really strange power to squish a lot of people. Dude, her and, power is uh, badass. Yeah, and but she's so, no power. She well, you know, she's not power. That's true. But um, there's a lot. There's still a lot of surprises left in this series. I I expect it to go probably. Um, they've covered about a third of the series of part one so far. So, you know, maybe, maybe they wrap it up in another set of 12 episodes, but I doubt it. I think it'll probably go three before they wrap up part one. Um, and then the end of part one is absolutely just devastating. You guys buckle up. Okay. I'll know in a couple days when I get my, when I finally get all my mangas and I can get to sit down and read them. Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. <laughs> Fuck this reading backwards shit, though. It's fucking stupid. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about American comics. About that Deadpool manga, and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. All right, you know, Sam. Like, you got to go backwards. <laughs> oh, that's it. See you later, Sam. <laughs> that was the carnal sin against comics. No. So I mean, I really liked it, though. Dude, it was fucking great, man. It it did take a second to fucking adapt to the manga reading style. Yeah, no, I get that. It doesn't really fucking matter. I guess how you go through Playboys, right? It's it was one of those series where I I wanted to watch anime versus reading the manga and experience it that way first, and then I went back and kind of read the first few uh, chapters, and it, it's pretty accurate to the manga in a lot of ways. Um, now I just have to decide if I want to be like you and read forward, or if I want to wait for the enemy to come back and just be surprised. I'm reading forward. I'm putting in the investment, and then I could just get them one at a time as they come out and just stay on it. And but, love it. So there is your anime review. Thank you, Sam. Woo-hoo, and we'll just run through first appearances this week because we only had a couple. Uh, Batman One Thirty One saw the first appearance of Red Mask. The first appearance of Jewel, an ally of Batman. Will they turn into anything? Who knows? But right now, it's just about telling you what first appearances dropped this week. Scarlet Witch, number one, everyone knows, because it was uh, the big talk. The first appearance of Darcy Lewis in the mainstream Marvel Comics universe, previously appearing in 
the film and in the shows and films. No, she does not look like that. But this this Scarlet Witch series is getting a lot of praise um, right now for its art and the the writing and who's writing it? Orlando was uh, uh, Pacelli, Sarah Pacelli drawing it. So Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. No, but <laughs> Legolas. I like I like Pacelli's art, so it's good stuff. Next, Captain Eight or <laughs> Captain Eight. Next, Captain America in the <laughs> Sentinel uh, Sentinel of Liberty number eight. First appearance of Modok, new Modok, a mental organism designed only That's for control. Organism. I think they're trying to um, shift Modok to be a little bit more of like what we saw in the Ant Man Quantumania trailer, as that is kind of the design they went with for this new Modok. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. It only makes sense. Yeah. And then in number Spider-Man number four by Dan Slott and Mark Bagley, we get the first appearance of Spider-Man Peter Palmer, an alternate reality version of Spider-Man based on the editorial naming error of an early Amazing Spider-Man comic. So it's literally like the 60s yeah. Spider-Man, and, he, and his name is Peter Palmer. So right off, right off the bat, this is a Secret Wars 2 number one homage. Yep. And Dan Slott's writing it, so I'm not even going to bother with it. And then Star Wars 30, we have the first appearance of Nihil droids and the first appearance of unnamed characters. <laughs> what? What? Oh, yeah, unnamed characters. Get out of here. <laughs> unnamed characters. You heard, that's a There's total like 50 million characters. I hope it says that on the CGC. Pick it up. Pick it up. Make sure that's a, that's a banger. I'm sure the First boys. appearance of unnamed characters. I'm sure the boys will tear it apart tomorrow night on the Star Wars show. So, uh, oh, I'm first, a, first appearance of guy in bar. Yep. First appearance of unnamed characters. That's awesome. So like what? It's... <laughs> yeah, that's so stupid. There you go. So, where where do you find all the where do you? I wanted to ask that too. Where did you get? Where do you get that? You know, there's certain apps out there that you can look to see what was coming out this week that has first appearances in it. I like that you took the time to put unknown characters. <laughs> unknown characters, unknown characters <laughs> baby. <laughs> Those are called extras. <laughs> there's a lot of comics that interest characters. Yep. <laughs> Unknown that's characters. So awesome. That's so awesome. That's the greatest, dude. That is that is by, by, by far the best one. I will say, if they do start putting that on CGC labels, I, I they're, they're done. First unnamed characters. Like what? What is it? Like people that are fighting? Is it people that are just walking by? Is it just a dude that's? Manning controls in the background. Is it like a cafeteria worker? Like, uh, it's like this kid who steals this like space candy bar from from Luke Skywalker or toothpicks or something. Oh, so they're expecting him to be something else. Yeah, and he like starts eating him, and he just takes off and bails. Luke Skywalker. So yeah, they're banking on him being a future. A first appearance for, right? That's what they're doing. All right, 
first appearance. Of so it's, it's like you're gonna probably find out who his yeah. true identity is in future issues, right? But so it would be first appearance of so and so as an unnamed character. Yeah, give it. Uh, you know, I'll hand it over to the the boys at uh dark side dark crew, side crew. The, yeah, the sect who these unnamed characters are. I but. cannot wait to. I have to watch tomorrow's episode next. I wanted them to. Yeah. I want them to break these unnamed characters down. There's this unnamed character. A minoid. Okay. <laughs> and then there's the little kid with <laughs> Luke's yellow lightsaber. With his toothpicks. Yep. Oh god. And then you got. Here, I'm trying to get to the. Where he steals the now, toothpicks, what look like toothpicks, right? Now, I, will say, like I, will, I will say, I will say, part of the the Dark Side crew, they have been in the comics before. They'll know, they'll they'll know that they're not an unknown character. They'll they'll put a name to them if they're been there before. So they're pretty good about that. Matt. Hey, they're like unknown actors, right? Yeah, it's like you know, first appearance of an extra in a movie. Come on now. And then we got our top five. What's our top five this week, Kyle? So our top five this week is since hopefully our guest shows up in the next 12 minutes. Um, we're going to do, since Cliff Chang is coming on, we are going to do our top five Cliff Chang. We did, I made it broad. I did it. Um, you could do covers or art, whatever commission mm-hmm. art, covers, whatever you thought that you enjoyed of his work. Put it on the top five. So who's up first? I'm up first. So I did this Spider Gwen. Right. So, and you know what reminds me of the Cliff Chang art is it's most of it is the background, the colors of the, and the way that the the city and everything is drawn. It mm-hmm. reminded me of that Paper Girls feel and that, so it really stuck out to me. The co- yeah, the coloring too. Yeah. Yeah. This one's very good. Even though he's not a colorist. This so this was some of his commission art, but just tell me that it's not fire. That is the a death. fire death, yeah. Yeah. Dude, like he killed it. Like I, I love that. Like when I was going and, and I was looking through some of his commission art and I think he I think this was like two thousand dollars that he sold it. Like is it but like that's just oh, I love. I just saw it and I was like, "Fuck, man, that's great." That's a very paper girly feel to it too. It does. Yeah. It's- yeah. So, number three, I did this. Uh, the Catwoman, Lonely City. I just I, look at it. I mean, it's just beautiful art. Like he just, he's very good at what he does. I know they're swinging away, but it almost looks like. Super, or Batman is riding Catwoman bareback off into the sunset. I thought that it was more like they were skipping. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's. I, and then number number two is you know what introduced me into his art, and I'll, I'll get into this more with him later. But you know when I bought this, I was like, "What is this?" And I went through it, and a lot of the art is what. The art, the, you know, it's one of those books with the art and what I was talking about earlier—the art and the writing. Right. When they, these things are just—they just truly match. Like, they're, it's it's it makes it just 
fantastic, and it just you know we don't get that as much anymore. Uh-huh. It seems like. Just to be just to be on top for that for the paper girls, just so you know, he he only did the interiors. No, he did that. That's his. That covers his. That's not. Yep. Um... No, he yeah uh, he did a lot of the covers too. Yeah, he did that cover. Okay. I didn't see where he had done any covers, but for the paper girls, but all right, I thought he just did interiors. So and then this one was from. Um, this is a panel from Batman Eternal. That he did. And I just, I mean, I, I just love it. The spotlight, the brick wall, everybody's standing there, like, just ready to brawl. I just, just like I said, it just, his art is just, it's just great. I, I thoroughly enjoy his art. And that one, I like Bat- Batman and Batgirl look really good, but Robin in Red Red Hood, just, I don't know, something about him does look, it looks off. But still sweet. All right, um, this is nobody's. <laughs> this is mine. My number five was this Poison Ivy cover. I really liked the way he kind of drew her floating in the water. Really, really well done. I like the way the red kind of pops off with the contrast of the water and her just sitting there like, kind of like looking back at you. Number four, I like this Breakfast Club Teen Titans homage that he did. Um, I do. Yeah. I, I when I saw that, I was like, "Fuck!" I wish I would see that because that's awesome. I gotta find that and buy that because I'm a huge like graphic club guy, and that's just fantastic. Uh, next, I like this Batgirl cover homage she did with like the classic Batgirl cycle with the Adam West Batgirl and Batman in the background. Just, who who did like that originally? Beautiful that, cover. It was uh, who did that originally? That's a... there was a Snake Eyes one. No, there, there's an there's a Batgirl. It's a Batgirl uh, purple, purple rain on it. Yeah, yeah. And then he did it as well with the classic Batgirl cycle. So I like the okay. the motorcycle that she has. My number two is Paper Girls number eight. That is a this is a cover that it's credited to him. It's like the reflection of the skull in the background. That's super cool. And the electric toothbrush, very detailed. My number one, Catwoman, Lonely City. There's just something about this cover with the way he did her face and all of her classic cowls in the background. It's just a beautiful, beautiful cover. Sticks, did you have anything? I, I sent something to the. I I put it on there. Oh, speaking of Cliff, well, we could. It, I it should be on there. We can have him chop in and why we're maybe he's got a top five over his art. It I don't see it on. Let me refresh. This I added page. it to the. I added it to the doc. All right. Well, let me refresh. Number five should be. No, it's not on there for me. Yeah, it should be start at slide fifty two. You gonna let him in? It should be GI okay. Joe. It should be number yeah, five. Here, I'm just gonna let him come in and talk to us. Oh, I'll let him do his. I'll let him clean. Oh, there he is. Hey, Cliff, how's it going? Hi, how's it going? You are our top five this week for your art. <laughs> top five? Nice. We all pick our top five favorite, favorite, you know, covers, art, everything, and you know, you are. We get you this week. Nice. Thank you. 
it, you know, it was hard to pick. It really was. Like I was. It was. It really was going through your catalog of a lot of stuff. It was like, ah, oh, what the hell am I going to pick? There's just too much good shit out there. <laughs> so let's do uh, let's do sticks top five, and then we'll get rolling. All right. Let me reshare here. All right, my... you go, Sticks. All right, so the this one is uh, GI Joe Volume Four, Number One. I mean, the Baroness cover, beautiful. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Joe collector, so this one's definitely in my collection somewhere. Um, yeah, beautiful. I like this one. Uh, number four, again, that Spider Gwen. I think we've already talked on that one, but again, the background uh, really hits off with the, it makes it all such a great art piece. Yeah, it makes it all come around full circle, almost like a right. complete. Number three is this Red Sonia. Um, it kills? No. What is this one? Monster Isle. Monster Isle. Okay. I like Minotaurs. I don't know why. Minotaurs always <laughs> seem to, you know, seem to be the art that I'll, I'll grab if I see a Minotaur on it. So that's why I like this one for the Minotaur. <laughs> Nothing really, you know, the art's great and I like Minotaurs. <laughs> it's like a so, twofer. Riveting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And my next so two has, uh, my next two has my guy on it. So we got Booster Gold on here. This is Generation Lost. Um, this is issue seven, eight, or five, eight, eight, eight. and the next one's and the next one's issue seven, and number one, and then after that, falls nine. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, and this one, yeah, this one doesn't have booster gold on it, but um, this is a great cover. I love the lines, I like how the each character is in each of the, the parallel coming into. So this one's really, really great cover. I really like that cliff. You really did hit that one off on for me. Thanks. Yeah, that one was um, inspired by an old cover, an older cover, a Silver Age cover. Um, uh, I think it's for Multiversity, maybe. Um, <clears throat> that one is, yeah, that one's Multiversity. I think it's Multiversity number seven, right? Is that Multiversity thing? I, I, I got it written down, but I, I'm on a different doc now. But uh, it seems starstruck with you, Cliff. I, like, I, I am a little because like, I really love his paper girl stuff. Like, right? like he's a, like he's like. Are you? Are, is that an homage from like a, a, a Silver Age or is it just from? Yeah, that? I forget. I, I forget um, the artist's name um, right now, but uh, yeah, there was. It, they were having uh, a bunch of the artists do uh, homages to to various Silver Age covers. Okay. With, uh, in the variants. All right. I'll have to look that one up to get. Yeah. So how are you doing tonight? Thank you for joining us. It's an honor to have you hang out with us for a bit and chat. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, you know, it's cool to be here. And, and yeah, and, you know, thanks for, you know, having me on to talk about the book and, and thanks for liking the book enough to <laughs> to want to talk with me about it. Absolutely. Like, like I was saying, like my number two pick was Paper Girls because I remember um, on our old podcast that Matt and I did, we did a comic review. 
every week. We did comic reviews. And Paper Girls 1 came out. And I was like, I looked at it and I was like, what is this? And I remember stepping through and I was like, ooh, Brian K. Vaughn. Oh, look at this art. Okay, this definitely is something that I need to check out. And I sat down and read it and I was like, holy shit. This this is gonna be fire. And I was like, it's and this is what we were talking about early on the show before you before you popped on is is between the writing and the art, when they become like this mesh, like total interlocking thing, it's one of those things that it's yeah. it's hard to almost find sometimes now nowadays where everything's kind of like people are just kind of thrown together. And what Paper Girls did was you had that and it made you run to the comic book store when you knew it was out so that you could try to figure out what the hell is going on in this book. And I, I think, how did yeah. you guys come up with this, with this concept and like what led to this, you know, awesomeness? Yeah, well, you know, Brian and I had worked together like on really early in our careers. I, um, it was a story for Swamp Thing Secret Files. And, you know, I found that the way he wrote really matched up with the way I saw stories in my head, you know, like the pacing of it and everything was felt very cinematic, partly because I, I guess, you know, he was studying film. Uh, I did some film study as well. Um, and, you know, like you said, there's there are times when writing and art really mesh well and you get this feeling that I think you can kind of only get from comics where you just you just get immersed in it. You really get sucked into the comic and you kind of, you know, you feel the pacing and, and it just draws you in. And, and that's something I aspire to on, you know, on every project. And with Brian, it was so easy. I think, um, you know, we, we share a certain kind of storytelling style um, and sensibility. And, you know, so working on Paper Girls was really, um, was, it was just really great all around. Um, he came to me with the pitch. We wanted to work together for years, but couldn't get our schedules lined up. And, um, you know, and he came to me with this, with this pitch and I was super nervous about it. You know, he was like, oh, it's, it's four 12 year old girls in 1988 and they stumble across, you know, this incredible story, you know, the, the greatest story of all time, you know? And I'm like, I, I don't know how to ride a bike. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if I can draw 12 year old girls. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've done like little bits here and drawn kids here and there, but like a whole series with, with, you know, younger kids, uh, on bikes, like this sounded like a nightmare, you know, might as well have added like horses, cars, and like, you know, <laughs> and, and celebrity likenesses, you know, um, it just sounded like a nightmare to draw. But at the same time, it sounded so cool. And I realized that if I didn't draw it, I'd be, I'd be pissed off <laughs> at whoever was drawing it, you know, and right. picking it apart. And, and that's not a good place to be either. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. You know, there are times when you get a project and it makes you a little nervous. And, and I think that's a good thing. You know, it's hard to know. Sometimes you're nervous for, for good reasons, you know, but other times you just know it's going to be, you're nervous because you know, it's going to be a challenge and it's going to require a lot of you. Um, and, and that's the, the way I felt going into it. When you think it's going to be good, does that make it, that, when it makes it more challenging, like I would read this book, my art's got to be equally as good. Yeah. There was definitely, you know, knowing that I need to rise to the level, you know, of Brian's scripts. Um, you know, he's so good at um, monthly comics, you know, like kind of giving you enough information, giving you new mysteries, um, you know, to, to solve and then, you know, and then paying back that curiosity, you know, issue by issue. So, um, 
you know, knowing, I kind of felt like that part of the storytelling is almost like meta, like it's, 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 it's an overarching kind of storytelling style. And then, um, knowing that that he had that in hand, you know, made it easier for me to just, I could then take each scene, you know, and, and see how I could bring the most out of it. You know, Brian's very cool about like, you know, if there's anything that feels off in the script or whatever, you want to change, you know, how I've staged something, you know, go for it. Um, you know, he, he's really aware of the fact that it's a collaboration. And I think that's why his comics always feel, um, like, a, you know, they feel like great comics, they, you know, like everybody has a chance to contribute something um, to the storytelling. How far ahead is he in the writing? Is he, it was, this was only a 30 book run. Does he have the whole 30 book mapped out for you? Or is it like think, in 10 page, you know, 10 book arcs? Right. Uh, I think he always had like an ending in mind but and maybe sometimes a rough idea of how an arc would go but basically he sure. was just writing you know a month and in advance maybe you know wow. when you guys were writing and drawing this did you expect it to be this like like that book exploded like everybody was talking about it everybody was it was on everybody's radar is that something that you guys expected or you're like we knew it <laughs> it's it's what you hope for you know especially with a creator-owned book um you know it's so easy for these things to get lost in the shuffle you know there's there's a lot of books coming out um and you know as an independent creator you're trying to go up against you know um really long established characters with huge fan bases and you know so we were very lucky that when paper girls came out you know it's like he hadn't had a, a long-running series in a while you know and, and saga had been such a you know has been such a huge hit uh you know people were definitely eager to check it out and you know th that gave us you know it, it was kind of front-loading the whole thing you know and uh so we were very lucky uh and you know it was just to me i'm just grateful that you know when people get to read my work you know that that's like the main reason for doing it you know it's like i wouldn't draw this stuff if nobody could see it you know and, and if it were just hidden in a drawer somewhere um you just you always want the biggest possible audience you know not not you know even from like a like a money perspective like you're selling comics you just want as many people to read your books as you can because it's just you know that's Absolutely. why you're doing it to yeah, try and reach and you know communicate with people you know right like i remember like matt and i we reviewed every issue i think we reviewed like we, we reviewed the whole run didn't we matt yeah mm -hmm. and i remember I remember you guys went on hiatus for for a little bit before you guys ended it, and uh, I was like, <laughs> but it was. I mean, like, you know, like when you were like traveling, you know, telling them to have to travel through time, and and you were just, you know, and it, there there was so much going on. Like, it had to have been hard to take all of that as you guys are coming up with this concept and and. and cramming it into all these pages because there's a lot going on all over the place it's you know especially when they're kind of you know split up a little bit and there's things I, it just like how were you, were you like how am i going to make this work <laughs> with everything you know yeah that was that was all brian um you know i think he had an idea of how it would tie together um you know and you're just kind of playing 
you know, you're, you're kind of uh, improvising uh, to some degree, you know, to, to get to that ending. Um, I'm really happy with the way uh, the way it turned out, you know, especially that last that final issue is exactly what I was hoping for, you know, like <laughs> in the issue before that, we kind of wrap up the, the larger story of the time mm -hmm. war. And then we get this last double, you know, double size issue to really just sit with the characters again you know, and kind of get to say goodbye to them, you know, and, and that was, that was awesome. I really, I really love that last issue. I mean, it was just, it was fantastic. Like it, you know, and, and, you know, we were talking about this earlier before you came on too, is, is writers and stuff sticking the landing and, and you guys did, <laughs> you guys stuck the landing. It, it, it closed up very nicely. And it seems like in today yeah. it's hard to do, I don't know if it's time constraints or it's pressure or whatever is going on behind the scenes, but like you guys managed to do it. And so like, it was like the full package. We got everything. And I, you know, I commend both you guys for, for doing that. And that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, no, it, it is hard. It is hard to end a series. I think, you know, you have a lot of things going on at once. You need to wrap up the plot. You need to give closure with the characters um and those things might not fit into one issue or two issues or three issues even you know so uh you know when you get to that you know those last few issues you know how how is it wrapping up are you giving enough time to things um you know it's it's a really tricky balance so uh you know i was really happy that you know i i enjoyed the ending of it and and i i felt like it gave you um certainly what you need you know, uh, emotionally from the characters and, and, you know, and especially to just sell the, you know, that, that the last few pages, that ending, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're kind of building it all towards that. Like, are they going to, are they going to remember any of their friendship, you know, and, and how will they stay together? You know, that's like the big question I think around the whole series is like, you know, um, it's, it's about friendship and, and how, tightly you hold on to to those relationships were you, were you back pretty good i mean it doesn't seem like you were rushed to finish the book but were you back oh, pretty good yeah we were you know time wise it was it was fine we we had the same schedule we actually um you know it was always five issues on and then three months off with uh the trade coming out in that middle month so it was always like kind of like an eight month cycle you know between um yeah. between arcs Oh yeah, we, yeah. Um, now I forgot. Thanks a lot, sticks. You're welcome. So, oh, this is what I was gonna say. When when Paper Girls exploded, did you end up taking your phone and just changing your phone number or leaving it off the hook? Because I imagine you were getting pulled in every direction after that. Um, I don't know. I felt like you know. I don't know. That was like. 2015 which is like you know a century ago in, yeah. in internet time you know <laughs> so right. it, it it was just nice to see you know i mean yeah it was it i definitely wanted to see how it was being received and and so i you know i would check out a lot of the comments and people writing about it and stuff but um you know it, it feels different from today where the reactions are, are even faster and, and more i mean um, i mean there's nothing worse than a artist getting more work right i mean I know what a bummer. 
Well, I knew I was going to be busy, you know, at least, um, you know, with Paper Girls and and knowing that we had like a good launch, you know, meant that, yeah, hopefully we'd be able to to um, finish out the story. We knew it was going to be 30 issues from the get go, um, which was really cool and, and you know, built out a schedule for it and, just, you know, knew it was going to be the next three, you know, three, four years. When it comes to the Amazon show, what was it like for you personally seeing these characters that you brought to life on the on? you know, the big screen, so to speak. Yeah, that's, that was, it was really surreal um, in a lot of ways, you know, because, you know, they, they um, you know, Amazon started making the series and then, you know, we didn't know how much we were going to be involved. We, we purposefully, you know, kind of hung back, you know, to let the, the show creators uh, do what they wanted to do with it. You know, they, you have to empower other people to do work, you know, and not do like a one for one, you know, adaptation, you know, like we didn't want, you know, kind of show that would get spoiled by Wikipedia, you know, by somebody reading ahead, you know, um, and mm. they, they really did a wonderful job of adapting the story uh, and bringing new layers to it. You know, they, they, they really made the show their own, but they really kept the heart of the comics in there. And, you know, and we, we offered our help, um, you know, and some background info um, at the beginning, but basically we just hung back and and let them do what they wanted and what they needed to do, which was you know, which is great. But you know, seeing you know how things change, you know, that's all part of the adaptation process. But um, you know, I, I was excited by all of it, you know, because I I just having another version of the story out there, I think is super cool. Um, I mean, I, I was hearing uh, maybe somebody uh, say that, uh, I forget where I read it, you know, but they thought like the TV show was like maybe what happens to them after the comic, you know, like it's like the cycle where like they're going through, you know, the, this time loop a little bit, you know, and, oh, and so, yeah. you know, it's like the TV show is just like a, another version of, of uh, the comic, uh, which I thought was really, really lovely. Kind of an alternate universe type of. Yeah, yeah. Idea. You know, like this yeah. is another way how it played out. You know, how much did they consult you on it? We we talked oh, with them and we read the scripts and and uh, you know, but again, you know, we we were ready to step in if they, you know, if something really felt off, but we never had to. You know, they they were really really just so good about it, and 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 this, the the showrunners and and the, the writing staff, like they they really nailed it, the tone of the book, um, and you know, and the things that they added to the show uh through in the show were, were fantastic are you able to give i mean you might not know or not be able to but are you able to kind of give us any inside information on the process of shopping the show to a different network since amazon has decided to to cancel it right yeah that stuff unfortunately i don't know anything about um you know that's kind of uh legendary you know is, is definitely still interested in, in bringing the show or bringing the property out there in whatever form uh, it can take, but, um, you know, unless, unless something happens, I guess I'm not going to hear about it <laughs> until then. That's above your pay grade. In other words. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're on a need to know basis. <laughs> so as you were honing and drawing, like I'm going to step away from paper girls a little bit. And, uh, when, what are your, some of your favorite things to actually draw? Like what, you have, you know, like I've looked at a lot of your missions and a lot of your art and 
where do you find yourself like i just love drawing this and i love you know like what is your favorite it's like you know like your death that commit that death commission you did like it's it was it was on my top five mm. like what is what is it that you what's your favorites to draw i mean a lot of it will be just you know either books that i really loved uh you know those any characters from from stuff that i really enjoy you know is always fun to draw um but you know I, I mean when it comes to comics and stuff like that for me it's really the story that gets me excited um at this point i feel like i've had a chance to draw like most of like the big heroes in some capacity so i don't have that feeling now of like oh i wish i could draw batman you know because i've drawn batman you know a couple times you know um or superman or something like that you know and you know so i don't kind of get that um that feeling about like oh I, I wish i could draw that character because it's more about the story uh one of the the most the most fun one of the most fun projects i've worked on also is um dr 13 with brian azarello and the whole concept there was that it's a whole bunch of D-list DC characters who are being written out of continuity and, um, and they're trying to stop it. And, you know, and these were characters I didn't know anything about and had no desire to draw prior to the project. But, you know, I came to love them and, and love drawing them. So um, that working on that kind of proved to me is like, yeah, as long as it's a, it's a good story, it'll get me fired up and, and it, I'll enjoy it. So, like, when you're approached to Catman Lonely, Catwoman Lonely City, so how did that come about? That came about probably around, like, the last year of Paper Girls. I, that was starting to wrap up, and they had announced um, DC Black Label, which I mm -hmm. thought was just the coolest idea. Um, I used to work on staff at Vertigo um, as an assistant editor, and, and one of the things we always you know, were told is you have to keep, you know, the... The things separate like dc is is one thing and and vertigo you know mature readers stuff is another thing you cannot have mature readers superhero stuff um you know for licensing issues and merchandising and whatever um and the, it made a lot of sense at the time uh this is before you know superheroes took over cinema you know um mm -hmm. and and now you know with things like deadpool and peacemaker and you know it's the the audience at large is very comfortable with the idea of superheroes and now they want other stuff you know and so yeah. dc uh, when dc black label was announced it seemed like the perfect mix um you know things that i always wanted to do was you know kind of try and approach some of these dc characters with you know a more an, a more adult take so uh you know, they reached out to me and they, they said, you know, what do you have? Do you have anything? I was like, I don't have anything. I was like, well, you know, we'd love to see, you know, like your version of New Frontier, Darwin Cook's New Frontier. And I was like, wow, that's cool. That's a great idea. Uh, let me think about it. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it took me like six months of like trying to figure out like what kind of story I would want to tell and realizing that I didn't have like a big epic story uh, like New Frontier, you know, and that I should focus more on one character. And Catwoman to me seemed like um, really underused. Uh, you know, you could tell any kind of story with her. She's such a great, you know, kind of classic noir character. Um, and, uh, you know, so I realized I could tell, 
a Catwoman heist story, which is like kind of a format that people are familiar with. But then if I could add enough twists to it, make it adult enough, um, you know, then I would, I would really have something that would appeal to longtime readers of comics, as well as, you know, someone who's never picked up a comic before, you know. Um, you know, one of the things about Black Label is trying to make these evergreen books that you could sell, you know, could give to anybody, you know, like, um, you know, like Dark Knight Returns or, you know, Batman Year One, that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, I, I really wanted a story that didn't require you to know lots and lots of continuity. You just needed to know who these characters were and that the continuity would kind of get filled in, you know, as needed, you know, in the story and, and would kind of just work as backstory if you knew it, you know, um, but, but not, you know, it, it wouldn't keep anybody from understanding what was going on. Um, once, you know, thinking about a Catwoman high story, you know, it, that's been done as well. And, but, when I figured out the twist of her being older, that's when the whole thing kind of came into focus for me. Uh, there was something there to talk about. There's something there to talk about in terms of sexism and ageism and how that relates to Catwoman being an older woman. Um, and, and that is like the main reason for the story existing. Otherwise it's just another romp, you know, that you, you would forget about, you know, and, and this really focused it and, and made it about something. Is it challenging to you to try and get like that perspective of like a mature woman and 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 do that with without losing a feeling of authenticity? Yeah, it's a good question. I think primarily, you know, I do try to there's a lot of myself in the story uh, in, on a bunch of different levels. And, you know, as I get older, you know, these are a lot of the things that I worry about, you know, as well. And trying to put my insecurities and fears uh, in there was a was a big part of kind of fleshing her out, you know. And then, you know, but it's not, you don't have to look very far to see, <laughs> to find sure. sexism and ageism, you know, and, and yeah. unfortunately. So, you know, th there's lots of real world, um, you know, examples of it. And, and you just, just got to kind of keep your your eyes and your ears, you know, attuned to it, you know, and, and hearing stories, you know, and, and watching, like, say, my wife, you know, and her career and, and what she's worked on and, and the things that have happened to her. And, and, you know, they're just over the years, those things accumulate. And, and you know, I tried to present that stuff as honestly as possible um, and not necessarily... Um, you know, there's there's lots of things that happen within the story that happen specifically to Catwoman because she's a woman. You know, um, mm. these a lot of these plot things might not turn on the same thing. You know, on the same way, if you know, if it were a guy. You know, if this were say a Nightwing story. You know, and he's fifty, um, things don't hit the same way. So. Uh, you know, it, it really is part of the DNA of the project that, you know, that it's it's specifically Catwoman. Did so. you did you find it more freeing when you were working on this project? The fact that the big players in the Batman universe were kind of off the board for you where you didn't have to worry about how you were going to incorporate Batman, Joker, Nightwing, Commissioner Gordon. You could just kind of, so to speak, play with Selena Kyle in your big sandbox that you wanted to create. Yeah, that was from the beginning. That was the intention is to kind of clear the board a bit 
um, you know, what is Gotham without those, without the Joker and Batman and Commissioner Gordon, you know, because so much of the, the fate of the city has rested on how those three interact, you know? And so when you get rid of them, then everything's fair game. You have no idea what could happen in that world. You know, if Batman is dead, then, then anybody could die, you know? Um, and, and the city can feel very different at that point. Um, I wanted to also explore the idea of Gotham as a city, as a real city, um, and, and what the repercussions of, uh, you know, um, you know, of having supervillains and then not having any, you know, any of that and, and having this over-policing, um, you know, to just give more, I don't know, give more for more everyday life stuff, more real um, political stuff for, for readers to hold on to, you know, to, to recognize. And so it would make Gotham feel like a real city, you know, and not just like a kind of crazy uh tim burton you know kind of environment you know like a lot of times it feels like gotham is more of a visual backdrop than it is an actual city to kind of go from you know someone else writing the script and you you drawing the art for it to this being lonely city being you doing everything penciling inking writing did you have to approach it differently? Did you find it a little bit more freeing or do you choose, do you prefer to just get the script and then kind of let your vision go from what someone else is giving you? Or did you really enjoy the the freeingness of everything is just hundred percent you, you can be as raw and come at it from any direction that you want. Yeah. You know, I mean, I enjoyed both approaches. Uh, there's something really nice uh, when you get a good script and then, you know, it's your job just to kind of, make it sing, you know? Um, and, and that's a really cool feeling. And, and the feeling of collaboration there is, is really great because there are ideas in the script that the things that you wouldn't necessarily think of and that you try to, you know, and they, they inform you and, and how you do the storytelling, but, um, it's also cool, you know, and, and one of the things I've always loved about comics is that it is possible to do all of it. You know, it, it, like if this were like a movie, you know, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do all of it, you know? And, and, but with comics, I can tell the whole story by myself, you know, and, you know, that was a challenge. Uh, it's certainly the longest thing I'd written. I'd only written like short things uh, up to that point. And the, you know, it was a big project. So I had to, you know, kind of outline all of it. There was a lot of preparation involved uh, before I actually started drawing. There's so, you know, I wrote the whole thing out and then started drawing it and then it wasn't until you know all that was done um i actually thumbnailed all of it um and lettered it uh all four issues and then started you know so i could read it and show it to the editors and say like this is how this is this is what the comic is you know even if it's in rough form you can read it and you can say oh this scene doesn't quite work or maybe we should move this you know this feels off um there are a lot of times when in a script you, you can't see those things until, you know, they're on paper and, uh, you know, and, and until it's, you know, and actually, you know, drawn as a comic. So uh, that was super helpful to have all that. Um, and it was all very intentional. And then I started doing the penciling and the inking and the coloring. So um, it was pretty exhausting, you know, to have written like 200 something pages, you know, and then letter it and, <laughs> 
and then go kind of back again and then do kind of you know almost the grunt work of you know the actual penciling and inking because in a way i kind of felt like i had told the story already in thumbnail format um you know so it, it required a lot more discipline i think than than i had to show before you know just a long project is always feels very different from like a monthly comic where a monthly comic feels like more punk rock like you're just getting it out there you know and you're, you're fighting against the deadline you're, you're jamming together on these pages and and trying to get it out the door you know and, and there's something really exciting and energetic about it and this was like like a symphony orchestra you know kind of piece that i was you know composing and and so a lot of little pieces coming together slowly and and it wasn't until you know the, the last page that i actually kind of felt you know really done with it you know and, and but with a monthly comic you feel you you get those moments every 20 22 pages where you you can kind of stop and rest and say okay what's the next thing you know i just imagine you talking about, don't bother me i'm doing everything leave me alone for like 12 hours <laughs> i need like I, I, I assume you gave yourself like I have to get X amount done. I have to get X amount done. I have to get X amount done. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was, you know, part of me would yeah would love to be like, don't bother me. I'll come back to you in three years and I'll have the whole <laughs> book. You know, <laughs> um, and the the interesting thing is the the black label you know books are larger. They're magazine size, so they're roughly like eight and a half by eleven. But, you know, a regular comic is seven inches by 10 inches, you know, and that extra size is really, um, it, it kicked my ass, you know, like it was just, it made, it was so much more work, um, you know, and then I was adding more panels per page because I had a lot of story to tell. And I, I also like a dense reading experience as well. So like each page easily felt like twice as much work as it normally would. On another comic um you know part of that's the storytelling style part of that's the size of the page and part of that's me doing all the different you know um art jobs on it uh so you know it, it really i was not prepared uh mentally <laughs> or, or deadline calendar wise um for how long it would take but um you know but I, I enjoyed it and you know it's it's again it's a different kind of comic from a monthly comic you know i i I remember, you know, picking up Dark Knight Returns when I was a kid, you know, and, and feeling how kind of special it felt, you know. Um, it felt different from a monthly comic and and it felt kind of more deluxe, you know, the, the, the packaging, um, the presentation, all of it, you know, you, you felt like you were getting something different uh, and, you know, much in the way that maybe like those large treasury size editions felt, you know, in the 70s. Um, and, you know, I wanted this to feel the same way, just, you know, make, make the reader feel like they're getting something extra, you know, like these books cost more too, you know, so, uh, you know, but let's, let's make this feel different from a monthly comic. Otherwise, why do it? So one of the things I wanted to, to get, kind of pick your brain about is the, where you, what you find more compelling, is it the, the small story or the big story and what i mean by small is the personal issues of the character you know like with catwoman she's growing older she's experiencing sexism it's a very personal issue versus kind of the grandiose 
um, you know, the timeline or space and time is at risk, that kind of thing. Where do you find the more compelling stories? I think you can find it anywhere. I, and that's, you know, um, I think, but where it works best is when those things tie into character, you know? So like those personal things, like what Selena's going through, like those things all have to mean something to her and they have to tie in, you know, uh, I could do those things with a larger cosmic story, but like, would the stakes of that story would, would the, the plot, you know, would that tie into what she's feeling, what she's doing? So, you know, you really want to meld those things. Um, Cause I think you can have like a huge, you know, epic, you know, story too. And, and it just, but it, you always have to focus on the character. That's why, that's why you continue reading, you know, it's what pulls you through. Um, and it all needs to connect back to that or else it starts to feel, you get that feeling where you just feel like the story is being told to you and you're not sure why it's important at all. You know, it's like, it becomes like a, like a little kid telling a story, you know, where it's like, and then this happened and then this happened, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't really care, you know, it just becomes a plot. And, and so, you know, when, when the plot dovetails with the, the character, uh, that's when it becomes meaningful. So who are your influences? So like, you know, you write, you draw. So, Obviously, you know, talking about this, you you read comics growing up. I'm sure you still read them. So, growing up, who and then you finally get to do this. Who who did you? Who were your influences? Who did you be like? Okay, I like this. I like that. Like, yeah. I mean, growing up, you know, I, I had a lot of you know the main influences were the things that I was reading early on. Uh, you know, like. John Byrne, Fantastic Four, and Paul Smith on X-Men and that kind of thing, um, you know, but I didn't, I was reading comics for a few years when I was really young and then stopped and didn't get back into it until I was in college when I found the Vertigo stuff and started reading Sandman and Hellblazer. And that led me to independent stuff like Madman and, and Love and Rockets and, and you know, bone and you know and like at, that's when i knew that i really loved comics as an art form too it wasn't just the superhero stuff it was like oh look at all these different kinds of stories that could be told um and so all those things have kind of you know been all those things are influences you know but I, yeah i'm always there's always part of me that's always gonna really like superheroes or can't really get away from it you know i, I love genre stuff i love science fiction i love you know so it, it's hard um, not to be swayed by that. You know, I definitely read a lot of, um, you know, a lot of Del Rey tour paperbacks as a kid, you know. <laughs> Hartman, did you have a question for Cliff? No. Yeah, I do. Um, did you, do you prefer pen or uh, do you prefer digital over pen and paper? Like digital? Uh, yeah, I mean, I work at, in a hybrid method. Uh, I used to, you know, do you know everything on on the boards but uh, it's easier now with all the penciling my pages can get really messy especially and fixing things is really so much easier when you work digitally you know if i pencil like a great looking head and it happens to be like 20 percent too small for the body you know like i can just go in and photoshop and, yeah. and blow it up a vector 
yeah you know um but it, so you know it it's a lot easier to do that stuff but then i miss um kind of the unpredictability of you know working on boards so i do all my inks um traditionally i'll, I'll print everything out in blue on Bristol board and then ink that and then that gets scanned back in and the computer and colored and everything. So, you know, but for penciling, penciling is so much planning work. Uh, and, you know, and it really helps to have uh, to do things digitally, like set up your perspective grids and you can drop in reference, uh, you know, you can you can do things, um, you know, much easier. Uh, for the pencils, which really just have to be a blueprint for, for what your inks are going to be. So, uh, so I really enjoy the penciling being digital, but then, you know, I, you know, having the inks be uh, traditional is something I always, I don't know, I, I, I just like having boards, um, you know, and I've never, haven't quite gotten the feel of inking digitally yet. So yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if, if how you transition to using the digital does that mean yeah i mean occasionally i'll do a cover fully digital um you know but was uh, that the back was that batgirl i think it was batgirl prince homage yeah no that one that one was traditional um that was yeah wow. yeah wow i saw yeah, that most of them have been i think there was like one or two pieces i did a a saga pinup um for the the first i think that the first deluxe uh compendium and then that was, that was, that's an impressive cover to do by hand like that. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that was that was before I, I got, you know, I really got my uh, feet wet with the digital stuff, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, you know, like you did that uh, Breakfast Club homage with Teen Titans. Like, I'm a huge Breakfast Club guy. So when I've seen that, I just I think that's incredible. I Like, what made you go? You know what? I need to homage the breakfast club. <laughs> yeah. My friend, uh, was, um, was a club promoter and he was doing a, a cosplay night and, you know, he had this idea for a flyer of showing, you know, superheroes dancing. And I was like, that's the kind, I see what you're going for, but that's not going to look right. It's going to look weird. So let me come up with something else. And then kind of just landed on this idea of, taking famous album covers and then you know mashing them up with with superheroes um i felt like that was kind of more true to the to the spirit of it and you know and would, would just kind of be more interesting to look at and and funnier and uh you know and it started off with um yeah that i think that bad girl one uh, or maybe a vampirella one maybe vampirella was the first one um for duran duran rio uh and you know, once I did a, a couple of them, I was like, oh, wait, I could do more of these and, and just have fun with it. And and the, the Breakfast Club one was really fun for me, just like the idea of, you know, the the, the John Hughes, you know, Brad Pack mm -hmm. movie. And then what? relating that, you know, the, 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 the fun part about doing those was finding the right mashup, you know, because uh, you could kind of mash anything together, but that doesn't mean it's going to be fun and it won't add like levels to it you know and and i think all the ones that i did i tried to have something where visually there was a reason you would connect these things and and there would also be some kind of additional joke you know in there in in the pairing of it so that ended up being a flyer uh the first ones were flyers and then the rest you know i kind of just did for myself and then mm -hmm. you know was 
just liked posting them on the internet and you know and they <laughs> they were they were they were fun is there a way to, did did you make prints of them for sale or anything yeah i did i did well i was going to shows a lot more shows uh back then and and it was it was good to have you know something to to offer um you know for people who you know already had you know getting their books signed and you know i was didn't have a lot of books uh under my belt yet either uh you know now if i go to a show i just have you know I have boxes of, of paper girls trades and things that i can i can sell but uh you know back then it was like you know here i am hi <laughs> so if someone comes to you and says i want you to do an homage of a movie or or whatever what movie would you personally pick to do oh yeah you know i haven't done one of them in a while i part of me feels like there was a time when that felt like really new <laughs> and then right. now everybody's doing it you know so like it, it's uh it, it's less it's a little less interesting uh now yeah. i haven't really so like, thought about it but... like a lot of people do like the back to the future mm -hmm. homage type things and what what movie what, what movie do you love that you would do one for yeah i'm trying to think uh let's see for movies it could it could be pretty tricky i don't know you you, you never I, I never start with one or the other really it's sort of like maybe it's the character first uh and then trying to find a movie that would that would relate to it kind of, but you know okay um but yeah no it's been a while since i've had to think about it so i don't really have any that i haven't done you know uh i, I haven't really wanted to uh, revisit it that much um just because yeah. i just because yeah i didn't have like a good gag for it you know and then so i didn't want to water down you know the um the whole series that's actually kind of awesome that you're like you know what i'm not gonna just keep doing it just to keep doing it like you know how there's a lot of people out there that they, they find their niche, so to speak and their thing and they just right they just keep pumping it out so i mean that's kind of cool you're like eh, that's cool yeah because some people that. can kind of put you into a box right oh he does those true, yeah. and yeah right you know yeah because Whereas if you very very yeah yeah. What is that one project where you're like, God, I wish they would freaking call me about? <laughs> um, wow. You know, there was uh, sort of the one that got away, I guess, you know, is the um, the Batman um, project with uh, Azarello. Um, it was going to be a pulp inspired Batman. It was actually supposed to happen when uh, DC was doing the shadow mm -hmm. uh, and they had this whole doc savage of the first wave um books that were coming out uh yeah. and you know we were gonna do batman but like kind of 40s ish inspired and and you know and it was gonna be you know kind of he was gonna be running around he'd have guns and it was sort of about him learning like the journey of him not you know going getting to a place where he decided not to use them and how he was going to connect with, you know, a version of the Joker who, you know, they were just kind of, you know, positioned on, on opposite sides of like the same, you know, uh, within Gotham and a lot of great ideas. Uh, you know, there's even a first script, um, you know, but it, it all got put on pause uh, around, you know, the new 52. And so, but that would be, yeah, uh, come back to <laughs> <laughs> Sam. Yeah. 
Oh, I thought it looked like you had a question. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was yelling at my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were asking a question and you were muted. No, nah, my dog. Sorry, so, my dog to chill out. So I guess I'm uh, speaking on things that have gone away. What's coming up for you that you have started or are in talks to do, if you can say anything? Yeah, no, I mean, after um, after wrapping Catwoman, you know, I definitely the tank feels like kind of empty. <laughs> I'm getting bored, uh, which is good. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing a lot of thinking about like, you know, stories and, and, and different directions uh, to take things in. Uh, I definitely want to do more creator own stuff. Um, it's really fun playing with um, with the toys, you know, um, especially DC's toys. Um, but part of me feels like, yeah, it's, it's I'd love to do more create our own uh, work um, going forward just to see, you know, where that goes. Um, right now, I'm mostly doing covers and, and illustrations, some um, doing a doing a thing for a book that's not announced. <laughs> uh, I'm working on uh, covers <laughs> for uh, an IDW book that hasn't quite been announced yet, and then some variants here and there. Uh, so just kind of dipping my toes back into it, um, you know, right. trying to find, you know, I don't want to yeah. do... I don't always just want to do the same thing over and over, you know, so I want to see what I can, um, how I can approach things a little differently to keep them fresh for me and for, you know, the readers. How do you, how do you refill that with that? Well, you know, yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, a lot of it is reading and watching movies and just kind of taking, um, taking a little bit slow, you know, and, and finding, finding out like what is interesting to me and what's inspiring, you know, it's definitely easy to just kind of jump back into it um, and just do what you've been doing, you know? Um, and, you know, there's a temptation there, you know, because it's like, uh, when I don't work, I, I do get a bit antsy, you know, like, and I feel that now, you know, but, you know, and it'd be the easiest thing to, you know, maybe work on more Catwoman stuff, say, you know, like, and, but, you know, is that, I don't know if that's the best for anybody really, you know, like, I think, you know, I think we need to kind of all need to keep trying different things, new things and challenging ourselves. So, you know, want to just, you know, take a little breather uh, and then figure out like what the next thing could be maybe it's something you know because when you don't have the time you know and you're just you're rushing and trying to you know get pages done on deadline you're not necessarily daydreaming you're not considering all the options so um you know just taking this time now to see what you know presents itself and see what other things i haven't been thinking about so do what you, are some of the go, go ahead six I was just going to ask do you uh, do you keep like an uh, like a, a notebook or like a sketch pad with you like say you're watching something and like something pops into your head and you're like oh maybe that and or maybe this Yeah, I should. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean I I just I tend to have like ideas and they just sit in the back of my head and they just percolate and hopefully one of these days I'll 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 get around to writing more of it down, but you know, I'll I'll just let it sit there and and if it's if there's enough there, it'll just keep morphing and changing and, and, and evolving. Um, but, 
you know, hopefully, you know, I've, I've definitely got some ideas for like longer things that I want to do, but I also don't want to bite off more than I can chew. So, you know, trying right. to figure out what the best, you know, way of, of doing that is, you know. What are, your, so, what are your thoughts on the AI, the AI situation? I had to ask this. Like, yeah, no, I, it's uh, everybody's, you know, talking about it. It's I haven't done anything with it. I think it can be an interesting tool. Um you know, but I, I don't know, but right. You know, these things are all trained on artists work and, and there's no real, you know, unless you can, <coughs> unless you can limit that set of images. Um, I, I don't see how it's possible for it to, you know, actually be ethical. But you know, my question is as far as like getting your creative ideas and having your like creativeness, um, as far as it generating images to give an idea of something that you're looking for, like something that you can't quite put on paper as mm -hmm. far as like just getting your memory or your brain going. How do you feel if that being used as a tool? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that could be interesting. It's sort of like just, you know, this random, like, you know, like uh, making like a jumble of things, you know, like, and, and kind of pushing your, your thoughts in, in different directions. But, you know, I, it could it could work that way. I think the you know the the temptation there though would be to the specifics of how it's put something together might be really um, what's attractive about it, and then and you don't know exactly how those specifics were you know were 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 generated you know and 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 from whom it's being generated you know so uh, so yeah I think it, I think it's tricky it's it's hard. I, it, it's really tempting to think about these things being kind of anonymous, but you know, because because the work has been stripped of its authorship, you know. Um, but you know, it, there's you can feel it, you know. There's it's it's not as it does have that look. Yeah, you know, like it just I don't know. It, it's it's really it's really tricky. I think if you wanted to, for me, I don't. I don't see it being uh, that useful as I don't need to see things in the style that you AI generated images tend to look like I don't need to see the kind of photo bashed uh, concept art looking things like I can yeah. kind of see that in my head already whether or not I can execute it you know like that is, is another thing but like I don't I don't need to see that to understand it you know but then there, I think there are people who aren't, you know, visually trained or visually oriented who, who might need to see, oh, well, this is what, you know, this is what, was, uh, you know, what that thing would look like. You know? I was thinking the other day, they had this new uh, thing that they did for one of the AI things where it merges pictures. And I thought it'd be perfect for level design in a video game, like a 2D mm -hmm. side screen. It would be absolutely perfect for a tool being used like that. And the time restraint and all that stuff would be cut down. But I didn't know how you feel about as an artist. That yeah, I mean, it's it. I I don't know how it would be useful to me yet. Um, and then you know, and then and that's aside from just like the yeah the the ethical concerns. But it's it's all in development. We'll see we'll see where it goes. You know. So do you have any cons coming up? Do you have any anything coming up for 
for anything to promote? Not, or? not really, not really. Uh, you know, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the offer. I'm, I'm you know, just kind of lying low for now, uh, you know, which is kind of, you know, I, I'm enjoying that, you know, and just kind of taking things in and, and soaking it all up and, and letting myself, you know, daydream, you know, get a little bored, get a little antsy. Uh, you know, th those are, um, you know, feeling that need to work again, uh, you know, is uh, mm -hmm. and wanting to do it, you know, as opposed to like just definitely by the it? end, I yeah. was I was pretty worn out and, and you know, it just kind of required this, you know, just clocking in and clocking out every day that that got very it was like groundhog day it was like you know just what what page of am course, i on, you know? i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot of people who go to work that feel the same way it's not yeah, just artists, yeah. you know right <laughs> everybody here <laughs> you know yeah and yeah and once you're in the middle of a project it always feels like that you know and then and you know so it, it's good to take a little break a little bit of a break you know kind of a mm -hmm. vacation of sorts right um and then, sabbatical uh, yeah yeah <laughs> So do you, do you still do commissions for people? Do you still do any of that? Is there, is there anywhere where people can go and buy your art? Is there anything? Yeah. Uh, my, my uh, art rep is Felix comic art. Uh, he's at FelixComicArt.com. He's, he's, he represents a whole bunch of, uh, you know, great artists like uh, Danny Warren Johnson, um, you know, Paul Pope, um, you know, Ryan Sook, uh, Sanford Green, and, you know, just a whole bunch of people. Um, and uh so he's got my originals uh i haven't done any commissions in a while um i'm you know maybe i'll open up a you know a list uh, later in the year we'll see it depends on where i am if i figured out the next project then 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 maybe not but <laughs> if i'm still you know kind of treading water then uh, that might be a good thing to, to kind of get you know <laughs> uh you know different pistons firing you know yeah because oh, I, I, I really want to commission you to Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, I was just saying because everything is sold. <laughs> right. Yeah, just about. <clears throat> I was gonna say, yeah. I hope you do because I really want to commission you to do a um, Peter Parker, Mary Jane, sleepless, sleepless in Seattle homage. Cover. <laughs> I was funny. trying to think of like a Fight Club homage. Like, who would be the two best to? <clears throat> but, but you're. But I mean, yeah. So if you're interested, I mean, go to Felix Comic Art, <clears throat> click on uh, Cliff's. <clears throat> excuse me, Cliff thing. You can see a lot of his art. There's some up that's yeah. still for sale, but it's like 98 yeah. percent of it's gone, <laughs> which is awesome. So, there was a lot of that soul stuff that was really great. If I if I had the money, I would have bought it myself. But oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, the cool thing about the site is, you know, Felix has like really pops. great high-res scans of all that stuff that's yeah. been sold. Even if, it, you know, you can't purchase it, um, you can get like a really nice look at, you know, at what the pages look like. Right. So you're more than welcome to hang out, Cliff. We're doing our movie wars. We've got our cartoon wars. You're more than, but I know you're busy and I'm sure it's, it's Saturday night and I'm sure you want to hang out with the wife. We completely understand. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. It was an honor. It was yes, great talking absolutely. to you. Yeah, thanks so much. No, great it was, having it was you really on. cool talking with you guys. I, I really appreciate, you know, I appreciate all your questions. They, 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 you know, they were really, really interesting and a lot of ones that I haven't gotten before. So, um, so thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, that, that makes it so it's not just the regular. Yeah. 
okay, I know I'm going to say this and I, I'm going to say that. <laughs> so that's yeah, awesome. I'm glad the I'm usual con questions that you always get. Yeah, thank you. Right. Yeah, I'm glad we yeah. got to spice it up a little bit for you. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, like I said, you're more than welcome to stay. We understand if you got to go, no worries. So if you got to go, have a great night and a great weekend. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah thank you guys. It. Have a good one. Yeah, yeah thank you. You, you too, thank, thank you. you. Awesome. He was like, I'm not staying. I'm out. Yeah. I've, I've given these guys enough of my time. Well, what I'll do is I'll share the screen real quick. I'll show off some of his art and then we'll move on, which we should have done while he was on here. <laughs> Add to stream. So I'll start up again. Like, I mean, it's Kyle's just sharing, so the internet's gonna go to crap. That, so, just you know. bear with us. <laughs> he has some great portrait art. Hold on, there that of characters. Is it on yet? Yeah, yeah you're good. Yeah, you're, yeah. Okay. Like, that's where I got that death one because I was like, oh, I'd love that. But I right. mean, like, it's this stuff is just fantastic. And that's what I was saying. Like, a lot of it's sold. Oh, yeah. And I'm not rich enough to buy the Batman Eternal. <laughs> A lot of the Paper Girl stuff is gone. Oh, sure. But, I mean, Sticks, just, you had just, bought so many pops, you could have got some. I know, right? <laughs> he did have a couple of the those uh, Booster Gold ones um, on there. I think one had sold, one didn't. And uh, I would have gotten that. You know, two grand, I think it was, but and not with my pop budget, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, if you're interested, 100 in bucks, art, you, can, you can do 100 bucks. Oh, I could do 100 bucks for yeah, easy two, two thousand. No, <laughs> there's some awesome shit up here, though. So if you're interested, what is it, Felix Art? FelixComicArt.com. Click on uh, Cliff on his picture, and there you go. So awesome yes. interview, cool dude. I'm glad that we spiced it up a little bit for him. Yeah, it's always good to hear that your questions are different than what you're usually getting, right? Try to be a little yeah. bit outside the box, a little bit. I really it's wanted to talk to him about it. Chainsaw Man, but oh well. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have been yelling at your dog. I needed to get my question out, and I didn't know when to go in. So it's okay. You just gotta jump in there, Hartman. Keep I didn't want to be rude. Yeah, you really do. You just gotta because if no one's talking, I'm just gonna keep asking questions. Yeah, I know. I was like trying to find that window where like the door. Yeah. Wasn't okay. <laughs> movie so wars. Movie wars. Great, Starting great window. Starting a new year. Oh, we got a we got an intro first, don't we? One of these days, I'm gonna remember what we have intros for and what we don't. <laughs> <laughs> but movie wars, I'm gonna start 2023 off with. I think it'll be a fun one. I'm going to do comedies. Ooh. So to start this off, I started with Office Space, which was one of my personal fucking favorites because 
it's yeah. so dead on, and I've got half baked. Ooh, man. Yeah, opposite. Half baked. Half baked. Dude, is office space is. Doctor says I need a backyotomy. Office half space baked. is so funny because it just hits the mark with every office. Yeah. No matter where you work, what you do, like, it's. It's that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> TK says tie. Kind of. That, uh, and I made <laughs> yeah, this yeah. one a little bit hard on purpose. I thought just to really get to you know 2023 going, but I think it's just office space. I just yeah. Think... Yeah, office space has just a little bit more flair, right? It's got the quotables. It does. It's got more flair. And I've got half baked a lot right of quotables too. Oh no. They... Office space is fuck way you, more. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. I'm out. Dude, I've always wanted to say that at my work. There's as, as I'm leaving. The O face, the stapler. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need a stapler. Just, yeah, let me tell you something about TPS reports. And then, you know, what he's in there and the dude's like, the scar face, about TPS the... reports. He gets like, it fucking. Dr. Cox gets all pissed. No, no, I got this. I got this. <laughs> like, whenever he talked about TPS reports, fucking made Dr. Cox so pissed. Right. So, so yeah, make sure to head over to the Renovation YouTube channel. We'll have, and social medias will have Pete post the the polls and yep. vote for uh, these two movies. Hopefully, we'll he'll get it by Wednesday. Out. Yeah. I think you have to click on the community tab, right? Yes. Yep. You have to click on the community yeah. tab on the channel. And then 100%, Jeffrey. In the polls. So that's good. I kind of did the same thing with Cartoon Wars uh, 2023, New Year. Um, I kind of decided to, to start off a little bit with um, parodies. So I went with Johnny Quest versus oh the my. Venture Brothers. Oh, they like the same things. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> parodies. Yeah. Oh. Johnny Quest I'm is such so... a classic. And I love the classic. Venture Brothers was a great watch as a, like I said, a, as a parody. So, man, that's a tie on me, but whew, I don't know which one I'd lean to. I think I'm going to lean more towards Johnny Quest because there was just something about it. I, I like Venture Brothers. Yeah, yeah I Brothers. do too. Yeah. I think Brock Samson's a way more of a badass than Race Bannon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there was just something about that Johnny one where he like, he stands in the middle of the road and he gets like ready and then he just falls into the car and mm -hmm. <laughs> kills the guy. <laughs> kills the guy driving the car. Yeah. Wouldn't you have to go with the if the one didn't exist, then neither would the other though? No, you don't have to do that. No. No, it feels wrong. <laughs> it didn't no, exist. you don't have to do that. But it's, it, you got to. No, you don't. You have to. You do. <laughs> So who do you think is going to win this one in our, in our community polls? I think Venture Brothers takes it. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think Office Space is going to take it. Testing the portion. Uh, yep. <laughs> people in our chat, Venture Brothers is probably going to take it. Yeah, yeah, it's looking like it. Yeah, I've never seen Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest is great. I still love. Yeah, Johnny Quest and having a you know, affinity for Johnny Quest, but there's just some about Venture Brothers that just absolutely slays me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we'll have to 
Hopefully, uh, Pete will get that up by Wednesday. I just think the episode where you find out that Hank and Dean are clones and the originals are dead, and you yeah. see how many times they've died and jumping off oh, the yeah, roof yeah. as Batman with an umbrella. And, yeah, <laughs> so their good. beds are clone machines, right? Yep. So yeah. good. But all right, that's it for Cartoon Wars and Movie Wars. Like I said, make sure to head over to the Renovation YouTube channel, hit that community tab, and make sure to cast your vote to declare the winners. And we'll have. New options for you next week. Next, we got our hot chick of the week. <laughs> this week, I went with uh, my new crush, Doc Misty. Misty Ray. She a doctor? She, I mean, she does a lot of shorts where she pretends to be a nurse and talks about sex shit. She has a master's in botany. It's, you know, I, I just love Is that it. true, or you just said that by the picture? I just made that up. Okay. <laughs> Very convincing. Very convincing. You know, I just love that she she loves to have a plug in and she walks around all day and with the plug in her. Sometimes it falls out, sometimes it doesn't. About that leg break. That's a bad sign, man. Dude, she's falling out. She's sexy though. Oh. Sexy. She is sexy. Some days she wants you to be that plug. Some days she doesn't. Yep. <laughs> sometimes you're the windshield. Sometimes you're the plug. Yeah. But man, I I look forward to all of her shorts. I subscribed to her on YouTube. Fucking Simpin. She Simpin. is. My... <laughs> Kyle Simpin. Kyle Stinson is now Kyle Stints Simp. Link, I linked my bank Ky- Kyle Simpson. <laughs> so. That's it. That's yummy, yummy. You're right. We got our what the fuck moment of the week. Florida Man story. Who picked this? Was it Hartman? I picked it. Okay. Go ahead, Kyle. Hold on. I got to bring it up because it's too. Do you want me to read it? No, I got it. I I was going to make a make sure your glasses comment on when Cliff first came on, but she already had them on. So. But okay, we're gonna go with uh, we got a Florida man story. Two people in Florida were arrested after one of them called 911 to get them to help moving their belongings from the home that they were burglarizing. It says, while talking to deputies, the female suspect told them that she called 911 for the purpose of having law enforcement help them move their belongings from the house they were burglarizing. They also wanted to get a ride to the airport so they could spend new the weekend in New York. Jeez. Deputies did help them with their belongings and did give them a ride, but it wasn't to the airport. It was to the Polk Pokey, <laughs> the sheriff's office said, and they're welcome to stay there all weekend long. And the Polk Pokey is much better than New York anyway. <laughs> but who, who the fuck calls the police to help you move shit that you're stealing the same person that calls 911 because they're gonna die when they're high (laughs) (laughs) when they smoke too much yeah i talk to the i go to the same smoke shop to get my uh my vapes and the girl that works there she's pretty cool i told her about the podcast she she fucking promotes it to like everybody that comes into the smoke shop which is kind of cool look at this guy this ain't even our house but I, I went in and I was like, I went in and I was like, she's like, I haven't seen you in a while. And I was like, oh, I said, you know, and she's like, yeah, I didn't come in yesterday. I ate a brownie and I had to call into work. <laughs> she thought she was going to die. 
she's like, someone told me to drink milk with it. So I did. And it made it fucking worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, but I just, who the fuck really does that? Florida. Well, poor, poor Florida. Kind of love Florida. We need help moving our stuff. This ain't even our stuff, but I bet you she talked her, her ass into jail. That's my so guess. they just they didn't get to go to New York. That's a bummer. So that is my what the fuck segment of the week since Hartman doesn't do it anymore. You you took it over and I just let it go. That's and then that's a segment that's tailor made for you too, Hartman. And you just let it go. <laughs> I know. Yeah, since, ha- by. since half the time you say stuff, that's our response. I'm yeah. So let it go. Just yeah. let it let it go. Let it go. I used to be a piece of shit. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. <laughs> so we got dodgeball left. All right. I I just did we had a technical issue. So I I am sorry that uh the clip that I posted this week was from three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so we play in outdoor, outdoor racquetball courts and we depend on the school where they're at to set the, the proper timer for the lights at the racquetball court. And we start at eight o'clock because that's late enough that the, the lights should be on. Well, this week we got there at seven forty-five, which is when the lights are usually on. They didn't come on. And then the lights didn't come on at eight o'clock. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? Well, the school happened to be open. So we went into the school and we just took over a little practice gym. And I didn't want to have a camera on because I didn't want there to be evidence that we were there. Um, Wait, you were so, able to just walk in? Toilet yeah. Paper to school? Yeah, well, you know, the basketball team was practicing in the gym across the hall. Uh, they had it unlocked for them. Yeah. So we just pretended like we belonged, and we played dodgeball inside. And it worked pretty well. I tried that at a high school one time. Yeah. I went to this other high school that was not my high school. And I tried it, and I walked in there. And right away, they're like, we know you don't go here. We told you <laughs> not they, to come back. And they fucking kicked me out, fuckers. So, like a bad check. So, sorry, I don't have a highlight this week because we didn't turn on a video. Uh, but we had a good time. We are still fundraising for Italy. We still would lo- appreciate any anybody uh, donating or buying a shirt. Um, and if anybody is interested in supporting Triple D Dodgeball, you can always check us out at Triple D Dodgeball. Uh, on Instagram, right here, it's in my my name there. So we'd appreciate your support. We just reached 500 followers on Instagram, um, and I post stuff there at least once a week, uh, new highlights once a week. And we love most of our our followers are either dodgeballers or comic book people from Renovision, from you know all the other podcast we've been on in the past so we really appreciate your guys' support and hopefully you guys enjoy it like we do too 
Thank you. Awesome. So thanks everybody for showing up, hanging out. We appreciate it. We got a guest coming on next week too. Who's our who's our interview next week? Aaron Beechin. Another comic book guy. Not the gimp. Not not still, the gimp. From we're still searching for the gimp from Pulp Fiction. One of these days we'll get him. We have to get him now. It's like a must. Yeah. Even though we wouldn't have much to talk to him about. We'd, we'd, oh, we had, we'd have a lot. What was it like writing Boy Meets World? What do you think about AI? Do you yeah. feel ashamed? Are you, are you, in fact, from also from Indianapolis? Harmon, <laughs> you could be our AI. You could do like a whole shtick of AI where you're just, you know, we never see your face because you are AI. Just let me look up the AI questions here. I could ask, well, I'm... It'll tell me it doesn't do opinions and shit like that. Or it'll tell me it can't do something. Trust me. In other, in other words, think for yourself. Yes. Thank you for Cliff Chen so much for stopping by and talking with us. It was a very good interview. Tyson says, I want the gimp. All right. We're, we're on it. Hopefully that interview redeemed um, our, our last attempt. So I think it did. I think it did. I believe it did. Yeah. But Kyle, are you coming back? Oh, he's coming. No, he's gone. All right. Well, unlike when Marco was on this show, we're going to give you a proper ending instead of just ending the episode abruptly on you. Power Um, (laughs) move. Thank you, everyone in the chat, for joining us tonight. Greatest chat, as always. You got to love the the chat on Red Vision, especially. How quiet the chat was. Yes. While we interviewed Cliff. Not yes. one fucking question. <laughs> Thank you. Right. But hey, you know, Art I love the chat here on Saturday hey. nights. Definitely beats the chat on Wednesdays. Um I feel like it's more insightful and less uh spiteful. I love everybody that stops in to see us. I, <laughs> I, I love it. But I love everybody that takes the time out of their Saturday night to come and hang out with us. I appreciate each and every one of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, if you follow Thank me you on Triple D, Triple D Dodgeball, I always like your stuff. I will follow you. I try. I, just, I forget. It's not easy to hit a heart. Huh, sticks. You know, I always like your stuff, don't I? You do. You do. Hartman, you know really I do too. Heart. <laughs> I call you out, Herbert. All right. Well, on that note, thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you, Tyson. Another Friday in the books. We appreciate um, you. Yes, thank you, Tyson. And we'll see you guys right back here next week. Same SNS time. Matt meant Saturday. What did I say? Friday. Oh, force a habit, man. Wrong fucking <laughs> show, buddy. Yeah, I know. Force a habit. But thank you for joining us on this beautiful Saturday. And we'll see you guys right back here next Saturday night. Same SNS time. Same SNS place. On Renovision. On Renovision. And absolutely. <laughs> And absolute geek. Have a great Saturday. Good night. Thanks, Joe.